Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Ripper Brown, Andrew Velez, Joe Dells. I messed up. We're here with John Tortorelli. I'm so used to Andrew being on the show, but as you guys know, I think Andrew mentioned in the last pod that today is his nine-year anniversary with his girlfriend, Alexandra. Shout out to Mr. Drew. That's why he's missing today's episode, and John is filling in. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, thank you for the introduction. And we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Your Jets and the news today, eh? Mm. Not the best news. Not, not, not exactly playoff news, unfortunately. What you're hoping no? for at first six we were, uh, we're due for the playoffs. I'll leave it at that. What was the news? I missed it. I'm a little high. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk All about right. it in this week in the NBA. Don't you worry. Right. The news was that... I guess we talk about it now. That the Jets are a bad organization. Mm. Oh, that one. That's the summary you of it. You only got yourself water? I you thought you were about crazy. <laughs> Riv, you, you haven't asked me for water in a I while. Didn't, what, Duncan? I didn't, you had Duncan? I did, but I just thought like that was common courtesy. You have hot chocolate. It's gone, actually. That's, is that a large hot chocolate? Extra large. You put sugar in it? Extra sugar in it? Just like two, two, three. Oh, my. Two or three, so. It's dropped. Four? No, two. Two or three. Okay. okay. Yeah, it dropped. John, would you mind giving a hype check to the audience? Because a uh, large hot chocolate is crazy. Want me to give yeah, a hype check? A yeah, there's a comment here that says, "How tall is John? He looks six eight sitting there." Ah, I you wish I was six foot eight, but it's just the angle of which because Dallas is like seven inches I'm, tall. I'm also yeah. like bent over pose. Yeah, Dallas is six six, and I'm never close to Ooh. six eight. So six five. Yeah. You do look tall. I feel like John's posture is really good. He does have good posture. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Maximize what God gave you. Yeah, no, is it? Is it? Force like you always sit up straight and you just never let go, or is this at this point it's a habit? I guess it's a habit. Yeah. No, yeah, because when I when I work from home, habit. I'm always standing, so like my posture is never slouched ever. Do you have a standing desk? Yeah, I do. Yeah, but it's makeshift though. So. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm trying it out right now. Yeah, I'm trying it too. Something I've used to the last three wait, years. Wait, standing straight up. Yeah. Just yeah. standing straight up. I can't fucking do it. Just don't. Just put your shoulders back and up. You know, <laughs> it's too uncomfortable. Santos wrote a super chat. He says, "Riv, I love you," and where's the timestamp? You know, Santos, I never knew you were going to become one of them, man. I, I know it's a joke. Santos, what if you drop the timestamps? And stop talking Th- to me. That honestly would be the Imagine, best yo, thing ever. Imagine. And stop talking to me, Santos. That would also help. That'd be crazy. crazy. Yeah, you're mad at Santos yes. right now? I'm very mad at Santos. Well, envy. How come? You feel like he turned on you? He did turn on me. It's not Warranted or no? Um, partially. I feel like him just randomly dissing me in the middle of days is crazy. <laughs> you think at this point it, it's turned into, at first it was accountability and now it's bullying you? Definitely bullying. He definitely bullies me. Because oh. he doesn't even at me and what he does anymore. It's just kind of like... I can feel that as well. Santos, you got to be better, man. Be nicer to Riff. Be nicer to Riff. He's been coming to his work. He's been coming to his job. He's been doing his thing. That's what I'm saying, man. Yes. And I love when you're here, too. It makes me feel much better. I like debating with you. You do. <laughs> we had the Brock Purdy debate yesterday. Check and I, I, spit, I spit some, some was fire. Monday. I was spit, on Monday. Oh, you're right. Monday. Mm-hmm. I spit some fire to Dells before the podcast. He was talking. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna give you, you guys what I said. You have to show for that. <sighs> yeah, you do. But it's some, it's some real stuff, man. I wish I could share with about you. About Brock Persky? Yeah. But uh, if I share with you, it's gonna turn into like 20, 30 minutes and I don't feel like doing that. that yeah, nah, don't talk to me. <laughs> I'd rather just wait to the Super Bowl when he wins. So we have some big news. You guys probably see all of us wearing some pick a hot, pick a side hoodies. I was about to say pick, pick a, a high hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, we got some pick aside hoodies. You see the one behind me. The ones that we are selling is coming out February 3rd on Saturday. The one behind me is a cream color with the pick aside logo on it. 
This one is charcoal kind of gray. You know, I got my gray fit on right now. I got the gray sweater on. I got the gray sweatpants. And then I got the gray cool grays. Mm. Now, if you can see it, I'm grayed oh. out right now. Yeah. I try to be very cool gray today. John has an image up on the screen. What that image is, is a pop-up that is on our website. If you want to be a part of the mailing list for our merch drop, go to our website, pickasoutpodcast.com. A pop-up will pop up, and it's going to ask you to enter your email. You enter your email, put in your information, and then you sign up. It's as simple as that. Saturday, 1 p.m., if you want early access, then you have to join the Patreon, and the Patreon is only a dollar. So you can get early access for the merch drop Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. So just letting you guys know, we'll be selling these and then the cream one behind me. So charcoal and green and cream. So not this? Not this one. Nah. So just a funny one. story about how we got those black hoodies. Sorry to cut you off, Riff. What are we selling? Hoodies. Charcoal and cream. Charcoal and cream. Yeah. So yeah. when I'm wearing right. another one behind on display. My fault. My fault. Funny story how we got those hoodies. The print shop we went to to get our design on the hoodie opened up a wrong box of hoodies and started putting our design on those. And he did it on about 15 hoodies, and he just told us, you know, we made a mistake. We're just going to give these to you for free. Shout out to them. Shout yeah. out to them for sure. So that goes to friends and fam, girlfriends. Chelsea got mine. Uh. Prospects also <laughs> has a promo. I wanted to mention that before we go. Prospects has a promo that uh, Mahomes for the Super Bowl oh my God. over a passing yard. We know Mahomes is going to do that. It's 0. a free 5? square. Yeah, yeah 0.5. We know Mahomes is going to do that. He's one of the best ever. It's a free square. Might as well use it. Go to Prize Picks. Download the app. It's available in 30-plus states. Use code PAS for a 100% deposit match up to $100. I feel like we got a jam-packed show today. And I feel like the biggest thing that's happening right now in the NBA, it's a debate about whether or not the 65-game stipulation is fair or not. I don't know about you guys, but I think once they put the stipulation on, it, it had a lot of negative feedback because now players that are the best players in that particular season might not be eligible for all NBAs. Mm -hmm. And that's important because if you don't make an all NBA team, you can lose out on a lot of money. Tyrese is, I think he's flirting with losing like 40, yeah, 40 mm -hmm. mil. Correct. And that's the pushback from players now. And we've seen two guys get injured. You know, Halliburton came back early, re-injured his hamstring. And Joel Embiid came back early against the Warriors and injured his knee. Mm -hmm. So now we see high profile players getting re-injured because they're forcing themselves to play when their body's not 100%. John, I'll start with you. You know, what are your thoughts on the 65 game stipulation? Do do you think it's it's good or bad? It was never a good idea. I mean, to me, it was making all NBA awards a participation award, if you will. And the real issue is that there's too many games in the regular season, and we can talk about this in the second half of the topic. But you're not going to fix the issue by simply forcing players to play through injuries. And a good example is Embiid. He's having the best year of his career right now, and frankly, he is the MVP favorite, and he should be with the way he's improved and developed and put together all of the weaknesses that people highlighted in the postseason. But because he's missed 12 games, if you're going to miss five more, he wouldn't be eligible to win MVP. And it really does redefine NBA history in a lens to where, okay, if Kevin Durant has an incredible season and plays 64 games, and Julius Randle, let's say, plays extra five 
he gets that All-NBA nod, and he's going to make more money long-term in the next contract, it would be a little bit different for those two guys because already, they've already reached the criteria. Um, but the other thing to me is just when you're forcing guys to play through these injuries, they're not going to be available in the postseason. And the NBA's goal here is to make sure marquee games, these stars are playing each other. And a great example of this would be Nuggets Sixers, right? These two teams had the two best centers in the NBA. These are two of the faces of the NBA. And Embiid has not played in Denver since 2019, four years ago, partly because of the mileage and just on a long road trip. Um, but the issue to me is that for these marquee regular season games, because there's four a week, the NBA is missing out on actually selling these two stars playing. Like, imagine if every other time Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen played, one of those two quarterbacks was out. It'd be terrible. You wouldn't want to watch the game. And if the NBA's goal is to make the regular season interesting, the Philly best won way, too, right? Hmm? Philly won that game. Yes, they did. Without Embiid? No one watched, so no one cared. Did they? And if yeah, the NBA wants to make the regular one. season interesting. You got a point. I didn't even watch the game. I didn't care about it as soon as Embiid was ruled no, out. No, yeah, as soon as the Nuggets won. Oh, they did? 111. I thought Philly won. 111 won what? 105. It was close. They oh, that's had, what they it had was. some nasty lines. Last yeah. time yeah. the two teams played, Philly won. And the issue to me is I want to jump into this. Philly, they won, yeah. If the NBA had two to three games a week opposed to three to four, even five in a certain month for a team, these stars are going to be a lot more available when it matters. And I think the 65-game stipulation w- was always risky, and uh, they definitely have to take this out as soon as possible. So are you saying that what sounds like is to reduce the regular season, the number Absolutely. of games? And you know what people are going to say? Well, now the stars are losing money. And I don't know if that's necessarily fully true. At first, they're going to lose money because the ticket sales going down. But if you're trying to make the NBA regular season more interesting, right, and the season's shorter, if you're increasing the meaning and value of every single game, fans will be more engaged. Like, mm-hmm. I cover the NBA. I can't watch every single game every single night. So as a fan, all the people that I know, no one's really tuning to every single regular season game because it's watered down the product. If you make the product mean more because there's 58 to 60 games, so it's two times the college schedule, but not over three times, people are going to be more interested. And I think that's the frustrating part. The NBA is not willing to take that leap because on the other side, they can make up the money they're losing from ticket sales by increasing jersey sales, making the league more engaging, and helping improve its outreach. Because their goal right now should be improving the global brand of the NBA. And it's not going to improve with Joel and being Tyrese Halliburton missing more time, more important regular season games. And um, I think this is the best way for the NBA to have a higher overall product. Stars will have longer careers because they'll have more time to rest and recover. And if you can get a fully healthy playoff series, or at least more of those, um, it's going to make the NBA a way better product. And that's why last year I looked at premier playoff series. I think it starts with the regular season. Kawhi misses an entire playoff series that could have been great. What if he played all seven games? It changes the entire way NBA history will be shaped. And quite frankly, I think this is the most under-talked part of the NBA right now. It's frustrating. You're going to school for marketing, right? Yeah. That was a great marketing strategy. You should right go there. into the NBA and tell Appreciate them about that. Yeah. You go to school? Yeah. You just started, started this year. This year. Oh, where are you I just found that out, too. Uh, no free promos. Oh. Uh, no free that. promos. <laughs> He's going to the school near us. That might yeah. be y'all. I'm a, I'm a modder one day. We're on the sure. same fucking team. What do you mean, no free promos? <laughs> no, saying for us scholarships or shout no, out. You know no what what promoting I mean? the school, he's yeah. saying. It's one near us, though. Seven minutes away from his house. I don't, don't want to know anymore. Okay. No free promos. Shout that was out, a uh, great plan. Shout out to, shout out to guys in the in the chat. I see Irwin saying it's his first time in here. I see Jay King's in here. Shout out to everyone showing love in the chat. If you like the hoodies, give us a thumbs up. Give us a thumbs up. They're saying they want the black ones too. Unfortunately, it's not for sale. Next drop, we will Next definitely drop. have those. Yeah, yeah don't worry three. about it. What do you got to say, Does about John's response to the 65-game rule? Yeah, I mean, 
it's really tough for the all the all NBA awards. I think when the rule first came out too, there were some questions around it. And like anything else, we had to see how it played out in real time. And I think the NBA made one amazing adjustment this year. The in-season tournament was one of the best things they've added to the NBA in a long time. Maybe in my lifetime period, the best single adjustment in terms of formatting that I've ever seen. And then they made one really bad decision, and that's doing the 65-game stipulation. I do think for MVP, Depoy, the awards, there can be a minimum and there should be a minimum, but I think 65 games is a bit too strict. Playing 65 games is a large portion of the season, and something more reasonable like 50 or 55 games feels fair if you look around throughout NBA history. Um, It feels like 65 is a bit too harsh especially when we have some of the best players in the world like Joel Embiid last night try to play through injury and all of the criticism he received from the media I'm sure was going through his head last night when he sat out against Denver although it was very questionable how he sat out that the day before two days before he said he was going to play up until 15 minutes before game time he was fine on the injury report then all of a sudden he gets ruled out I think that's why people were upset with that it's not like he was on the injury report he was questionable and sat out it's just that He was supposed to play, and he didn't. But we saw last night that he was legitimately injured. And it was a bit surprising to see Philly, even when you were watching that game last night, he was laboring throughout that game. You could tell that he wasn't 100%, excuse me, against the Warriors. I think I said Philly. But um, he was laboring throughout that game. And then that late hit, I think, was Kaminga, who landed on his knee. That took him out of took him out of the game. So hopefully he's good for the rest of the season. Hopefully nothing too serious. It feels like it'd be a surprise if he plays before the All-Star game. But those, I think, are some of the situations the NBA maybe didn't think about or has to be adjusted this upcoming offseason. Because if if they're able to find a happy medium where it's like 65 was too much, let's get back together, the, the NBA PA and the NBA, and say, how about we do 50 or 55 games? That feels like a more reasonable situation where guys are still playing a good amount of games, but it's not too much for where they feel like they have to push through these injuries. Bro, if I was Joel Embiid, I just thought of some shit that I'd do. I'd tell my coach, I'm suit. Oh, pardon me. You're good, bro. I'd tell my coach that I'm suiting up, going for a minute, and then come That's out the and then they not have. play for the rest of the game. It is the option they have. That's what I would do if I was Joel Embiid. But, um... He's not taking a tip. Yeah, no, no. J- John, um... I don't know. I think... Shortening the season, eighty-two games. Shortening. I don't know. I think the the we should take away back to backs. You know, I think that's definitely an option. Mm-hmm. Those six game six games in seven days, long road trips. You know, those are tough ones. I think you can keep the eighty-two game season, but kind of manage it better. You know, I think yeah. the fact that those you know, especially with the older players. You know, I, I know some of these teams have to travel a lot throughout the week, and that's tough for them. I think the sixty-five rule is tough because I think, like you mentioned it. 50, 55 is valid. You know, some players are just older. Some players have legitimate injuries, you know, but I I understand the thought process. You know, they wanted to make regular season games matter a little bit more, and that's why they added the in-season tournament. They also wanted, you know, key matchups, like if the Celtics and the Warriors play, you want your players playing, or if Minnesota and OKC play, you want these guys playing. You don't want them having a rest day. So I understand the thought process, but I felt like you could have maybe took another year to think about it a little more. You could have, you know, managed it a little bit better. I think 55 would be valid. I think 55 is a firm number for sure. You know, I just think right now it's too attached to these players' money. 
And because it's too attached to these players' money and the type of contracts they can get, it's going to be an extreme big issue that they're going to be complaining about. You could have, like John mentioned, you can play 63. A guy like Mikael Bridges plays 68, and he make all NBA third team just because he played more games. I think but that's just how the contracts in the NBA, because the NFL and MLB, there's no such thing as a max contract. Like, Shohei got fucking $700 yeah. million. Like, there's there's it, literal they, maxes it was in the, the NBA. It was they because the sports. rule was supposed to, if I remember correctly, the rule was in, in play so teams can, like, like low market teams can keep their star players, mm-hmm. and that's what it was. Yeah, I mean that is an issue you see in the MLB, not so much as the NFL though. There's you know Kansas City is the best team in the league. It's Kansas City, but it's been a good case study with the salary cap because the NBA and the NFL have salary caps. The MLB does not have salary cap, and even though these top teams and top markets get the marquee free agents, the Dodgers got Shohei Itani. Those teams are not winning every year either. Mm-hmm. So I think even in leagues where there's not a salary cap, there can be parity among them. You just have to have those small market teams do things much differently. I think this rule is going to be done after this year. I don't like it being tied to players' money. And I say that because we live in a free market. If a team wants to pay a said player $500 million, 400 million, whatever it is, they should be able to, to pay that said player that much money under the guise of the um, salary cap in the NBA, I should say. Because I don't think it's fair that there might be someone like Tyrese Halliburton missing out on $40 million when he's much better than a player that maybe made the all NBA team just because they were more healthier. I also think that there needs to be a common ground of how they're going to fix this problem of injuries within the NBA and not only injuries within the NBA, but not playing those marquee games because that's what everybody wants to see. I don't think this rule is going to last that long, quite frankly. I don't know about you guys. I felt like this went into practice too soon and they probably probably should have took a year to think about it for the major awards. Like Dell's you mentioned, I'm totally fine with it. You can't be the MVP of the NBA and play 65 games. That's just not how I think it should work. Actually, Joel Embiid has only played over 65 games twice. And the year he won MVP, he did not play. He played 66. So he barely got over the number. The year before that, he was at 68. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he's never did it. And then Kawhi, who's another player who gets injured a lot, he hasn't played 65 games since 2017. Yeah. He's on pace this year, knock on wood. Yeah, that, this year. Praise the Lord if he does it. But so it's this is... Yeah, that's tough. And if we're being honest, Embiid was not the MVP last year. It was Jokic. Yeah. Well, narratives got into that. Yeah. Jokic didn't win MVP because of his playoff resume before that. But Jokic should have 100% won MVP. He was better than Embiid last year. Mm -hmm. This year, Embiid's been better. I can't say nothing about Embiid. Embiid's been the MVP. And that's why Embiid should win this year. I don't think we should But he won't because of the narrative. Yeah. And also the... (laughs) Yeah. The 65 games. Yes. And I think Shea should be a dark horse on MVP. We'll get to that later. But you are right. Joel Embiid this year has been the best center and best MVP candidate. And so he should be able to win, even if he hasn't proven it in the postseason, the way have held against him. I don't know. It's tough. Because I think, you know, you can't, at the end of the day, you can't control if a player gets hurt or not. You know, they, they, a, t- a player could just be an injury-prone player. You know, a player could just have a situation where somebody falls on their ankle or something like that. So it's really hard to definitively stop that you know with all the medical advances we do have you know we try to make the best of it but I do think you know maybe if if we're not gonna 
go away from this rule of 65 games. Definitely start figuring out these road trips, these seven games in eight days or whatever it is, you know. Try to make the schedule a little bit more easing on the body, you know, so you can we can try to limit it, these, limit these problems as much as we can. The NBA doesn't help either. They There's been so many national TV games where you have one team coming off a of back-to-back and another team has like two or three days rest. Feels like they don't care. Like, no. at least if it's your product, you should think about this. If everyone else wants to see their stars, mm-hmm. I see uh, Justin in our comments. I wonder if he's an old head. He's like, back in the day, guys <laughs> used to flat coach and play three nights in a row. I don't know about coach, but he's probably right. Th- that's not good. Like, I, I don't think we have to look at old times and be like, this was harder and be like, it should be still be harder. The NBA is making so much money. These players should have private planes and they should have chefs and all the type of trainers that they need because they put on a, a show, you know, like we, we watch all of this. This has all of our attention. So while you guys are watching us, they should have, you know, the most uh, assets available to them and not playing in back-to-backs is going to help the product because you'll be able to see your favorite players play more, more often. I will say, I do understand someone like Justin because I can kind of give a pro and con for each side mm-hmm. for the NBA. It does feel like they're not sympathetic towards players actually getting hurt because Kawhi wasn't load managing for the most part. He was genuinely hurt. He mentioned that too. And I think that is important. You can't just say, oh, this is a problem in in our league right now. We have to now make a minimum for these players to reach certain money incentives and awards. I think that was just for a league that's been very progressive in other areas. It's kind of been a backwards turn for them, for the NBA to go to. But then again, for players, maybe I'm in a minority, but you can't expect to get a fully guaranteed contract and you can't fully guarantee me games every single mm. night. You know, the NFL, there aren't a, there are, every player doesn't get a fully guaranteed contract in the NFL. And there are some players that they get hurt. And, you know, because of that, some have injury guarantees and they're able to make up that money. But sometimes you miss out on that money. And I know it's unfortunate, but if a team is going to pay you $245 million and you don't even play a full season's worth of games, you play half of that, you know, how can I justify every single player making what they're guaranteed to make when you're not guaranteeing me appearances? It's tough. No, you're right about that. I think that that could be something the NFL, that's worked well for the NFL in a way, and for the NBA wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, But on that comment note, like it's true back in the day, Players in the 80s and 90s would play just about every single night. It's also a reason why guys like Isaiah Thomas were tearing their Achilles at 28, 29 years old. And Larry Bird, that was partially because he was shoveling his driveway. Um, their careers were done at 30. And that should not be the NBA's goal. Like that old school approach of we're just going to tough it out does not lead to longevity long term. And my idea is like, what if Derrick Rose had more time to rest, recover, and he never tore his ACL in the playoffs? And we got to see Derrick Rose the entire timeline of his career. And we got to see guys play at an elite level and sort of mid to late thirties more often. What, what do you mean? Derek what I, didn't that's have an time. example of one player. That what, what, he was an MVP. He had a breath. year. Yeah, exactly. Summer. He took a lot of time off before he, he took came a year back. off. Well, I'm saying before he tore his ACL riff, not after he tore his ACL, but you can never predict when a player's going to get well, injured. What I'm, what I'm sharing with you is that if you help stars rest and recover, cause you got to think that these guys come in at 19 years old and they've been playing AAU basketball for that's some weekends or some weekends. Like I played AAU. I was an average high school player. I was playing four games a weekend. So these elite top hundred prospects, they're playing upwards of five or six. So when they get to the NBA at 19 years old, having just one day of rest in between games is not enough. And we're seeing that in the postseason. I think in a second day of rest will make a big difference. And I use the Derek Rose point. Cause I think of stars whose careers were cut prematurely due to injuries and ask myself, what if they had more time to recover and one or two injuries could be avoided? 
now you're looking at a better product where more stars are healthy and they're having longer careers. Yeah, that, that, that AAU point was, was sound because they do play a shit ton of games. Mm-hmm. They do, you know, travel a shit ton for a young kid, kid at that age, you know. Then to mention they got to go to school. You know, they got to get back to school, do whatever yeah. they got to do. So that, like, it, the fact that they start that young, especially for these top guys, like that's the, that they, you you know, you kind of already putting the wear and tear on their body at a young age. And then when they get here, they're dealing with those injuries. So yeah, that was a great point. The argument against that, though, is that how many players that play that much basketball at AAU actually make it to the NBA? That's very true. You know what? I think we noticed that. So we're talking about a problem that only exists within like a percent of basketball You're players. You're right about that because you think about international players like Jokic and Luka who aren't wearing their bias down at 16. They are more durable. And a lot of American prospects we see who do go through the AAU system, like LaMelo Ball, example of his ankle injuries, uh, that may just be something a little bit less related to AAU. Zion's another example, too. A lot of American players are having more injuries reoccur, especially. Because I feel like when I was younger, I would have killed to play, like, four games a day. It was great. AAU. Until yeah. we you actually to, did that shit. Once you get to play, <laughs> you got to think about it. You have 82 regular season games, a couple preseason, and then if you make the playoffs, you're playing upwards to 90. And That's some of these kids, lot. even if they don't make it, they still, like, you got the top guys, they go into high school, come out of high school, now you go straight to AAU. And you play AAU for the rest. Then you got summer ball. And you don't stop training. You just keep on, keep balling, keep balling, keep balling. It's a lot of basketball. Jason Kidd said that Luka Doncic is better than Dirk. He's in the realm of Michael Jordan. Go ahead, Glaze. <laughs> Do you agree? I mean, listen, I, I don't want to go first on this because I feel like people understand that I'm unbiased about topics that I speak about. And they probably know that I'm going I'm to be, I'm be unbiased about this one as well. Absolutely. But, but Riv, I mean, do you think Luka is better than Dirk? First of all, let's start there. Has he already earned that title? Um, it's always tough to to say a young up and coming guy is better than the the guy for the franchise. You know, same thing for Miami. Whatever young and upcoming guy, it's gonna be tough to just say they're better than D Wade. You know, same thing for Boston. You know, Tatum is gonna be tough if he ever reaches that pinnacle to say I'll he's better him, than I'll Bird. Him, I'll, oh, Bird. No, yeah, like I'll say, put him in the top. Yeah, that's what quick. I'm saying. So it's it's tough when a guy just reaches a certain pinnacle for a franchise. It's always tough to put him over, but. And we just talking player for player. I don't think you're wrong in saying Luca's better than Dirk. You know, love Dirk to death, death. But I think Luca just overall as an offensive engine, you know, as an offensive machine, as a playmaker, I think he's a better player than Dirk. Dirk wasn't this defensive monster either. So there's there's nothing defining on that end. And even as a rebounder, Dirk wasn't this great of a rebounder. So it's really just who was a better offensive player. And I think Luca was a better offensive player than Dirk. People throw around that realm at MJ shit a little too much, you know. Um, I, I seen it okay, a lot with playoffs. That's Riv. Yeah, I, I seen a lot with uh, Luca. I seen it in the regular season with a little bit of SGA. It is funny. I definitely do find. It. I saw it with Demar in February last year, <laughs> so it does get thrown around a lot for sure. But I think Luca, you know, he definitely you can you can see the the pattern. You can see the similarities in his first six or seven years and MJ's first six or seven years. You know, MJ did have the MVPs. Luca hasn't got one yet. But in terms of just regular season dominance and playoff dominance, you know, MJ, he didn't go too far in the playoffs. I think he made it out the first round in his first six years once, you know, and then they played Cleveland, they played the Pistons and they lost. But MJ was a playoff machine. You know, he, he was a playoff riser immediately when he got to the league. He was a regular season machine. Same thing with Luka. Luka is a regular season machine. When he gets to the playoffs, he's unstoppable. So the similarities are there, you know, statistically, individually as a dominant player. But, you know, to get to reach that realm of MJ, you got to have that winning. You got to have that dominance in the accolade department. And Luka ain't get there yet. 
You ever just look at Luca's numbers and you're just floored? Thirty-five points and ten assists a game. Yeah, it's nuts. What other what he's other player in NBA history has done that? What? There's been a few. I mean, LeBron. What do you say? Thirty-five LeBron points and ten assists. Though. MJ no. did it like a few Are times. you saying play, are these playoffs? Tennis is no, eight is yes. This playoffs? No, no wait, you talk about just like averaging for a, a year? Yeah, yes. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No one's ever Luke done is that. averaging 34, Harden 9, and 10. What was Harden at? Harden, Harden was, was at he 35. He was at like eight assists. He was 35 and 7. He was 35 mm-hmm. and 7. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, obviously. But like Wilt Chamberlain, when he was starting he, to finally play make, he was dropped at 25. Does, does anyone ever say Embiid's in the same realm as Wilt? I feel like every night you see Embiid and Wilt stats, and they're like neck and neck. Don't even cap. He's probably better. <laughs> Not even trolling here. But I don't think nobody says Embiid. No one's, in, but no one's saying. Nobody it. says he's in the realm of Hakeem or Shaq. Yeah, that's true. Because of the playoffs. Yeah, that's the separate right now. I think Luca is phenomenal. I think he's better than Dirk for the simple reason that he's a better offensive player. And if you're measuring both of those players, it starts offensively because neither yeah. provide much defensive impact for you. Right. And Luka's a much better offensive player. I mean, he is one of the greatest players at his age and his current stage in his career that we've seen in history. I like how you had to add the age, right? We, we have, <laughs> well, yeah. He's 24 it. years old. But the thing with the defensive aspect, so in a vacuum, Dirk Nowitzki is an impact on the game for international prospects and floor spacing bigs. That makes his career even greater when you consider getting yep. an MVP, a championship, a finals MVP, 12 All-NBA appearances. I mean, the whole in the MJ realm thing makes no sense to me. I don't know why that really matters, this discussion. But, like, Dirk is clearly the greater player right now because Luke is 24 years old. Yep. But Luka Doncic is the better player considering he is just as if not better a score given his efficiency. But then you take it a step further. While we view Luka as a bad defender because he is, he's not a good defender, because of how sensational a playmaker he is, he enables you to play your best defensive players. You think of their 2022 Western Conference Finals run. What allows them to play three defensive players that can't dribble whatsoever is the fact that Luke is going to fulfill them with a million corner threes. And so in that aspect, he does raise their defense, and he makes for a more complete value of being an engine. He solves more. He allows and enables more on both sides of the ball. And, yeah, I mean, Jason Kidd played with Dirk. He's coaching Luka now. He's had this. He's gotten the C from, uh, you know, as a peer these two guys work, and it's really a testament to Luka and not something to diminish Dirk Nowitzki and how good of a player he was. But what we're seeing from Doncic right now, he is a top-two player in the world, and that's based off not just his regular season play, but how he's been able to scale in the postseason when he hasn't had a whole lot around him. It's crazy, man. If you play for the Celtics, probably would have a championship right now. Most likely. But you know what? Justin Even Herbert's undefeated in hypothetical, yeah. so is Luka Doncic. You know what that point, though, <laughs> You know, Andrew Wiggins did lock up Jason Tatum, you could say. Bro sold his soul for that but, shit, Think about it this way. I mean, the one guy who could guard Luka Doncic was Andrew Wiggins' full court in that Western Conference Finals. So Correct. Wiggins did it to both of them. Not like, not equally. They don't have the same usage. Luka gets the ball again. But well, he deserves it. I agree. You're cooking. You're 100 right. You're not. You're not even liar. No, Andrew Wiggins that year was just generational, man. It was amazing it's, just, that year. it's just all he had to think about. It's, really, it's the fakest strip in my life. He's getting back. More fake than the Mickey Mouse strip. I know he's been hooping. He's getting back. No sleep. I've been, I've been locking. You know, Luca, you you said uh, the Justin Herbert shit, and that's it's yeah. really hilarious because Luca definitely is <laughs> has some hypotheticals that are a little yeah. bit nuts for yeah. sure. But um, he's also done things. He's done he some things, some cool things. Herbert has, Herbert has not won a playoff game. Yeah, Tatum's, Tatum's been pretty damn good in the playoffs too, outside the finals. For sure, yeah, he hasn't been Luca levels of good, but he's been. Yeah. Uh, Luca was the uh, reasons we were losing. But yeah, Dirk is clearly greater than Luca. I don't think nobody's disputing that. I think K- Kid is saying just player for player, Luca's a better player. Like I said, Dirk 
he's in a when it comes to being like a part of Dallas and just where he is in history, like you mentioned, based on the overseas and what he's done for national players, his his impact on the game, he's gonna be at the highest of highs and he's gonna be number one for Dallas all the time. But, you know, player for player, I think Luca pretty much clears probably eighty percent of the NBA history if we're being completely honest. He's not wrong. I mean, What's he's the pathway MJ? for the Mavericks to win a championship this year? Is there any pathway? Giggles. And luck. Sid Giggles. <laughs> Uh, what do you think? Trading for Bruce Brown and P.J. Washington. Oh, you're dead ass about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I thought he was kidding. You know, you said on BR, you said Dark Horse. For sure, Dark, Dark Horse. Dark Horse, I think, is fine because you got Luka and you got Kyrie as a number two and some role players around them. But if they get P.J. Washington and Bruce Brown, does, from the three does that mean they're going to beat the Nuggets yeah. or OKC or the Clippers or even the Timberwolves? Let's look at this advanced numbers. I don't know. You can count on that 34% going to like 36% with Luka. Why doesn't that happen with Grant? He got his bag, man. I don't know what that means. <laughs> got his bag, so he said, you know what? I'm not going to try anymore. He's, he's shooting 38% from three this year. Who? Grant. Grant was also a bad heater. Okay, okay. Like he's he's back. Sagging a solid eight points for them. What? How many times has he taken? Five threes, probably. Damian Delgado sent a super chat. Dirk is greater. Luca is better at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, Grant's been, Grant's been getting back. My apologies, Grant. You know, Luca would need a championship to surpass Dirk all time, which he can easily get, of course. But imagine if Luka Doncic had to. It depends on how he does it. It depends on how he does it. Sure, because you got to remember the way Dirk got his ring. It was, it was, it was phenomenal. No, you're right. You're you're totally right. It was a different vibe. Imagine if Luka Doncic had two NBA championships right now. What do you mean? What are you saying? Here we go with the hypotheticals. That's like what Patrick Mahomes is doing right now. But it's not. Yeah, but why do you? You know, I tweeted out we weren't going to talk about Patrick Mahomes' episode. And there you go. And now it's just, just absurd. Does, does, does anybody ever sit if, back and Jason just Tatum appreciate? Had two championships? Appreciate what? what, he, what he's Luca done? doesn't have Mahomes. any MVPs. Mahomes, Mahomes. has MVPs. Why are we going back to Mahomes? I'm just infatuated with him, man. Mahomes consistently finishes in first place in the regular season. Did you see that? Did you see that picture with his shirt off, Mahomes? Yeah. Did you know he had a dad body? Riv, what's the Mavericks' key to gain back the? I love that you got back on topic. What was the question again, John? What's the Mavericks' key to gain back the WCF this year? Ah, man, it's really tough because you got OKC, you got Minnesota, you know, you got the Clippers, you got Denver. Four teams. The, King, the Kings aren't a, a walk in the park. I think Snake Dallas will win. Grass. Yeah, they're, they're on a walk in the park. That's a mm-hmm. six, seven series for a lot of teams. You know, that's a tough team. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I think the path is you play the Kings in the first round, you play the Minnesota Timberwolves mm-hmm. in the second round. They're going to have to play one of those four teams in the first round, I think. But that's the, that, the Wolves are the only team that I see like, okay, they could do it. I think the pathway is grabbing... You know, like you mentioned, either playing the Kings or playing the Pels yeah. in the first round. Then I don't you, know if the Pels going to finish that. Well, if they do, just because yeah. they're here. I'm giving them a little respect here. And then uh, hopefully getting OKC or Minnesota in the second round. And then now you're faced up in the WCF. That how that goes. You'll probably play Denver or the Clippers, and then you figure it out from there. Mm-hmm. You've always you've always played well against the Clippers. It's just now you, fi- you have to figure out if Kyrie's enough, where Porzingis wasn't the second time. Yeah. Is Kyrie enough to get you over the hump against them? And now they have Harden, so I don't know. I believe Kyrie will be enough because of how much Luka opened up the game for him. It's very similar to LeBron, that aspect. Um, but you touched on one thing before. I think they could use a Bruce Brown off the bench in that six-man role because... We've seen the Mavericks in the postseason defend at a reasonable level, and two of their top four lineups are quite good defensively. These are lineups with Derek Lively at center. Of course. Grant Williams at the four, Derek Jones Jr., and then one of Dante Exum, who's making his threes, 
uh, or Josh Green. They're not getting to the WCL. Derrick Jones Jr. has been good this year. No, I'm not going to lie. They're not getting to the WCL. You know lineup. he gets the most wide open threes in the NBA? Derrick Jones. Just like, really leave him open. But. <laughs> They're not getting if to the WCL could, uh, with that lineup. If you could plant Bruce Brown into the role. Why do you role? keep sleeping on Dante Exum? I'm, did you We're talking about that, a, a that fine, five like a lineup round, is bro. nuts, bro. Dante Axum has been a good player, though. In the regular season. But we're talking could, uh, about you're going up against fucking Mike yeah. Conley that's a, that's a and James McDaniels, Chad and Gobert, But if you can place Bruce Brown uh-huh. in the SGA, J-Dub, uh, like, See, look, he's on. even taking yeah. Dante out the lineup. I like him off the bench. I don't trust him. It's fine. Am it's a fine. closing but, lineup. But can you like at least give him his respect? He's a good player. He might not be top 150. for 35 games. Top 150 is disrespectful. It's not. There's a lot. He might be top 100 right now. No, he's definitely not top 100. Well, you're smoking something. Dante Exum is a good player. Bro, before the season, they didn't have Derek White in the top 100. No chance in hell. He's top 100. He's saying he's a starter. No. But what I'm getting at is that if you replace, if you place Bruce Brown into that role in a closing lineup, Bruce Brown, Kyrie, Luca, Derek Lively, and Grant Williams. I strongly believe they could go. That's small that's though. That's really small. It is very small. It's small, but it I like is. it. But that's Bruce Brown plays the bigger round. than he is. Hmm? That's the team for sure. Like hater, Bruce Brown plays bigger than he is. All right, so let's let's play this little hypothetical. Let's have a little fun. We're already playing hypotheticals with Luca. We do it all the time. Let's do it with Dallas, right? That lineup against a lineup of Harden, Paul George, Kawhi, mm. Terrence Mann, Zubak. It's small. It's really small. They're getting cooked. They are. Keep it Luca's also cooking. They Nobody's said that guarding shit in him. 2020, and they said that in 2021. They did take him seven. I, I respect Kawhi that cooked though. He did indeed cook. He did. So yeah. But they're better. This is the thing. The, the this is the be- This like, Clippers this team is better. Is than, way better yeah. than both those teams. Like by far. Do you trust this Clippers team more? Yes. Yeah. I doubt it. I do. Okay. Maybe not. I think the bubble team. I uh, no. I don't know. No. I think the year they went to the WCF, I trusted that team the most. Right. I agree. But then they got hurt. Yeah. But I think this team. I'm putting a good amount of trust in them. It's the mm-hmm. healthiest we've seen Kawhi. James Harden addition. No, Zubac I mean, is playing great. Last year, two Dells. And I just think there's a, a level of trust that has to go into me. Like the Clippers, I have to see it to believe it. I understand. I'm not sorry, Mike. So as, is there any point? Because, I mean, up until the playoffs, anyone could get injured at any time. Right. But with the Clippers, you they trust Kyrie? have a higher probability. Than do you trust Kyrie? That's a great question. With Luka, I do. Yeah. No, I'm talking about talking about if you're playing healthy. the health card. Yeah, right. they, he damn near gets hurt in the playoffs just as Very much true. as they do. You know, I still trust him more than Kawhi to be healthy in the postseason. What do you think about that. the Clippers right now? I'm not trusting that team. Mm. Just you think they're the fraudulent the top four team? How good are? Are you team? playing devil's advocate, or you actually think they're not that good of a team? I think the Clippers are a top three team in the Western Conference that, if everything goes right, can go to the finals this year. But the odds of everything going right for that team to me are quite. What does have to go right? Is that just health, just or health. is that matchups too? Do you think Isn't they could be anyone team in the, in the West? Right, yeah, but with Jokic, I'm pretty confident he's going to be healthy. With Jamal Murray, Kawhi, more than anything. Michael Porter's had When you look history. at the number one piece, Kawhi gets hurt, the Clippers are done. Yes. And the chances of Kawhi being hurt are what? Very high. The highest like, out of any star to be in the fair, West. Though, John, like 35%, John, to be 40%. fair, he's been really healthy this year. He, has, he hasn't been in the couple years. Year in a while. He was last year to a degree in the second half as well, and I felt that same exact way. Eh, but not he was like coming off injury, injury, though. Exactly. He's right. he's coming off injury sure. last year. He came yeah. into the season healthy, which hasn't been the case. He, he said that. It's the first time he's coming into the season healthy in a long time. You think the Clippers... Wasn't recovering the season from a torminiscus in June? So I wonder how much he really... He has been playing just better John. You think You think the Clippers are a top two team in the West right now? Top three. Who's who's better than them? The reason I say top three is because I trust the Thunder. You trust a team that hasn't been to the playoffs as, as a core yet. What have the Clippers done in the playoffs? Well, Kawhi's play, please. Well, what has Kawhi done? Well, at least you can single that out players on the Clippers. Really a couple, what? I view that as the most fraudulent year. Wait, is wait, that a I don't understand what you just said. 
It's a Suns run. Pseudo the Hawks. team he likes. Pseudo Pseudo Hawks. Yeah. Suns run. Pseudo Suns. Pseudo Hawks. Wait, can we get back to this? I don't yeah. understand. I don't understand what you said because. <laughs> You said you trust the OKC Thunder as, as a whole more, but what have they done? They haven't done nothing as a team experience-wise, and they don't have any individual players that have been there either. Chet hasn't been there. SG hasn't been there as a superstar. Jalen Williams hasn't been there. Josh Giddy hasn't been there. Luke Dorr's been there once, and he was solid. Yeah. Isaiah been Joe hasn't been there. Yeah, but Shea hasn't been. been there as a superstar. The reason why you can... You can project with this clip, this Thunder team that they're really well prepared for the postseason. I mean, for sure. You can project that, but the Clippers at least... One, most of the team that they have now has been to the conference finals. Yeah. And then you have a player like Kawhi Leonard who has won two championships. When I say trust. You got James Harden. When I say trust. And James Harden also has done more, more than anything anybody on OKC's playoffs. Korea. Uh, when I say trust the Thunder more He's the last well. person I would talk about. I mean, sure, but still, even with his yes. underwhelming under, choke job, yeah. he's done but, more. But experience trust, isn't everything. I think my, that's what's important. Experience isn't everything. It's important. Health like, matters more than Hilarious experience. coming from a Boston fan. No, so right now, it's more finals. than experience. If they experience. That's what caused you to Riff. fight us. Well, Jason Tatum didn't play you well. You too. I, what matters more? Was that because of experience Wait, or because he was I'm getting not, locked this up? This is a you, you, you guys thing. This isn't a me thing. Okay. Yeah. Joel, what yeah. matters more? Health or experience? Health. Okay. That's what I want to know. But what that if the Clippers are healthy? That is why I trust the Thunder more. You th- so if th- what, are the Clip- what if the Clippers are healthy? Yes, so the they're healthy right now. <laughs> they're well, healthy right now. We're playing now. hypotheticals. Oh, why we can't play one? What if the Clippers are healthy? Is this, they this just is won't be, be healthy? This you're being fooled by this shit? Damn. Bro, John. That's, that's half enough. a decade. Enough. No, no, no. They, 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 they choked, so it can't be fifth. It's like fourth. They're healthy right now. They choked in the boat. They've God, been healthy yeah, yeah. all John, year. Can we, can we have some positivity here? I'm being real with you. I did this shit with Zion coming into the year, too. And that's I a little tried different. to manifest it. That's a little it's different. Really so what the same thing on the last is, five years. So what you're banking on is really injury, not performance. You're banking on injury, not performance. I'm being real with you. I've got to see this Clippers team. So what if you be being real with me results in them actually being healthy in the playoffs and what you've been saying that's and real that season real at all? they are healthy. You're making an assumption. It's not real. It's an assumption. No, this is based off Even if they are healthy, years. what, John? Because I feel like you're about to say something disrespectful. I still have to see James Harden and Paul George off the ball primarily in that environment where they've struggled that time. We've seen it moments. already this year. They've oh, been okay. awesome. I One of the best PG teams put, in the put league. Put that to bed, yeah, man. Harden, we see that talk. in the regular season. He said off ball. PG was on ball. We see this in the postseason, a little bit inconsistent. If OKC and the Clippers are healthy, you're picking the Thunder to beat them in a series. No, if the Clippers are healthy, I would take them to beat the Thunder. What are we doing? That's what we were trying what to get we at. What are we doing? But I, <laughs> I think there's a 50% chance that team's not healthy. So you Maybe think OKC is just better than the Clippers right now off of health? No, he trusts them. The possibility of being... Off of the trust that they'll be healthy. I'm yeah. projecting they're going to have a better and more pretty time. But if you're season. actually ranking the teams right now and who's a better team, the Clippers are a better team. Sure, but that shit don't matter with the Clippers. We're focused on what they're actually doing in the postseason. I don't, I think, I think you kind of, I think you're overrating the Thunder though. <laughs> no one cares about where they rank in January when they got Kawhi and Paul George was, okay, they win a championship. To be fair, have they ever been the top three seed in what's, the What's Kawhi the Clippers-Thunder series going? Because you're making it seem sure. like the Clippers yeah. again this yeah. done in five Four or six. Points. Like, this is going to be a dogfight series that Thunder could win that series. Oh, for sure, but, Kawhi, but, but Kawhi gonna come out on top in that. Yeah. I'll be honest, if Kawhi's healthy, I don't think the OKC can win that series. Mm. No chance. Ah, I hate when you got to say no chance. I'm but, pretty uh, comfortable to clear. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like really confident. You feel more the, comfortable with that or Dallas making a WCF run? The wait, wait what's Clippers the question? Clippers beating the Thunder. Clippers beating the Thunder or Dallas? Oh, making a WCF easily. Run? Clippers beating the. Th- yeah. If they're yeah, healthy, trying to gauge where how yeah. how confident you guys are. 
No, I, I'm more confident in Clippers being OKC in five than Dallas making it WCF. Like, I, not, I just wanted to get some Mavericks safe. I'm keeping the stack. Bro, I, I don't think yeah, I understand him. Quiet is healthy. There isn't five basketball players in the playoffs no. better than him. Might not be three. Can we no. speak about something real quick that's kind of bothering me Run a little bit? Beers. What's up? Extra large hot chocolate. So crazy. This <laughs> NBA season has been awesome. We know that. But is it just me or the most talented team in the NBA? We know it's pretty clearly the Boston Celtics, right? For sure. If the Celtics don't win a championship this it's year, a failure. It's, it, <laughs> it's, it's, where it's does the, this come from? It's the biggest failure since what? Your boys. Yes. Yeah, boys okay, reset. Okay. I need KP healthy. Or, I need Porzingis healthy. Let me ask you a question. What's a bigger failure? Put it in order. Nets. Suns, if they don't make it this year, mm. or the Celtics this year, Oof. or add the Clippers. Oh, we're ranking all four of those. Yeah, because uh, they're all more recent failures. If yeah, those I two, think, don't, yeah. I think Nets, Nets. I think Nets are number one. Mm-hmm. Clippers yeah. number two. What's three? Three would be the Celtics. I think with Boston's like because what if the Celtics get there in the finals, they lose, and the Suns flame out in the first round? We'll be but more. I think with Boston is this core is going to be here. Like we extended Porzingis, JB, JT, this Drew Holiday, one last ten. Sure. The, the Celtics huh? this year will still be a failure for sure. No, it would. Yeah. I know, but I'm saying like the Nets, that shit's over. Yeah, you know what I mean, like uh, it flamed out so quick. Yeah, um, but no, I think um, if Porzingis is healthy, absolutely. Like he's, I think he's the game changing piece that wins the finals. Him and Derek White. What's more likely to happen, Celtics? Losing in the finals, okay, or the Suns is flaming out in the first round. What's more likely? Yes. Um, who are the Suns going to play in the first round? You're taking a guess here because I, I they're know, low seed right now. So they, they based off right now, they will so play they, a top four seed. Yeah, that's tough. Right I now, know that I hate on the Celtics. There's no doubt I hate on the Celtics. No doubt, never mind. But I'm, I'm biased. I hate I hate <laughs> on them. The re, the reason why I hate on them because I'm about to say something unbiased right now. Just how about you relax? I'm almost unbiased innocently in the world. The reason why I hate on them as he's being biased is because I know that they are the best team in the NBA right now. That's valid. I know that they should be the favorite to win the NBA championship this season. And if they don't win an NBA championship, that is the biggest failure of the year. More than the Suns. Thousand percent. More than Porzingis the Clippers. Needs to stay healthy. Porzingis is hurt. And the reason I say that is because the Celtics, albeit young, and you have your roster on lock for multiple years now. I think like two more. You have been to the conference finals. You have been to the finals. Yep. Mm-hmm. The goal is always getting to the finals. This is the most stacked team in the league. Yep. Absolutely. It is. It's an incredible starting line. Shout out to Brad Stevens. How much, I mean, how he, much help Tatum really needs? We saw him in Las Vegas. It's a shame we didn't get a flick with him. He's got the best fifth starter in Derek White. He's got one of the best fourth starters in Drew Holiday. He's got one of the most versatile number threes. And then you've got two NBA wings. But you do touch on that, Joel. It's interesting because um, this is their seventh year with this core of Tatum and Brown and early on they were not ready to take on LeBron 2018 by himself this is their time like there's no waiting until next year it's either it's either now or never I agree and so if because if your window is open now we have to keep prolonging the championship until next year next year there's going to come a point where the younger teams like Oklahoma City they may already get to the finals at that same exact point and they may even surpass you um, so for the Celtics, it would be number three on that list of, you know, the most disappointing uh, super teams. I I'm, now I'm sound like jerk because they're not super teams. Um, but it would be the most disappointing, more disappointing than that Suns team because all these guys are in the middle of their primes. And, and so there's a level of expectation that comes with this team being so well built. And in the regular season, we think they're far and away the best. I 
I really just believe the only thing that stands in Boston's way, as Dells is alluding to, is Kristaps Porzingis going down. Because when he's on the floor, this becomes a team that you really can't find a weakness. Uh, off the bench, even, too, they have one or two guys, and that's all they're going to need in the postseason if Porzingis is able to play 30 minutes every night. So they're your pick to win the NBA championship this no, year? No, they're not. Bro tried to get you. Denver? <laughs> I don't have a pick at this moment. I don't have a pick either. It's really, it's this, it's God, wide open. And Dells, I have a pick to come up east, though. It's Boston. This is okay. now or never. Because I still have some questions with just Denver. I think they're my favorite to come out the West right now. I think but Denver's I still fair. have some questions, and I, I'm not ready to answer them. And Denver shows up. Though. How many teams the in the West can beat Boston in a seven-game series? Three teams. Who's there? Maybe four. Maybe four. Um, but the Nuggets, number one. Right. The Clippers, number two. The Knicks. No, I said the West. the West. brother. The fuck West, is wrong with you? <laughs> Three? Wait, what? The Knicks, Knicks what? The Knicks can go to well, the championship this year. Well, we're going to the Western Conference. We'll get to that afterwards, right? Um, number three, I'm going to go with... I don't think there's three teams. Number three, I'm going to go with the Thunder. The Timberwolves. The Thunder can beat the Celtics? They beat, a, uh, they beat us this year once. Number four, I'm, I'm contemplating Phoenix, and I'm also contemplating Phoenix? Dallas. Dallas can beat Boston. If John, Dallas can we can have an intellectual conversation about the NBA? Yeah, what's up? fuck are we talking about Dallas, bro? Yeah, that was Beating nuts. the Celtics? Beating the, uh, I think they're going to make one extra move at the deadline. You can't guess. Bro said, bro said, you know Luka? what? I actually think they're getting Kyle Kuzma out of be the guy. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But you saw I, what Jalen Brown did to Luca when we played? Right. Here we go. Relax. He, he scored five points on him. <laughs> I have more faith in Luka Doncic and Kyrie than Jason Tatum. But it's not just them two, though. They have like a... a no, you're totally okay. right. But if Porzingis... Their first were to, eight is If Porzingis were to not be 100%, which is a very big possibility, I would say... Maverick Everything Kyrie you say is, is Kyrie health, be, Why is that? Is Kyrie going to be 100%? I trust Kyrie to be more healthy than Porzingis. But I think the Mavericks could the beat the Celtics. From John. Yeah, I think they could. What are the odds the Knicks can make the finals? Brother, man. I think, <laughs> I think, the, Knicks, I think the Knicks are the second best team in the East. Ooh. I'm with you. They're top three to me. Top three, maybe top I don't know. I like Philly. We got to start talking Boston. about the Knicks as a serious threat. You got to stop talking about them. Uh, that's what I'm doing right now. That's why I mentioned it. You need Julius Randle to, to be all NBA Julius he will. Randle. That's a, he but will. that's a, you can't. See, John, this is where you're losing me. Because you said they're a top three team in the East. And I'm sure you're saying that because they've been great with OG as a defensive team. Mitch is possibly might come back, which will make them. Hardenstein's been better. Hardenstein's been hooping. And then Randle's been hooping. But do you trust Randall? No. So then if you don't trust Randall, if he cannot be but that guy I in the playoffs, expect him I don't, to I don't, be better in the why, why can the Mavericks beat Boston? Crying. Now we're going what the hell, Dallas? We're talking yeah, about the Knicks. Show Dallas. some no, respect. I, I know, but I just want to get back right. to this for a second. Yeah. I would fear the Celtics 80. Like If they played 10 times, Celtics win 8 times out of 10. I was picking the 1 out of the 10. Okay. No, 2 times out of 10. So the Celtics have an 80% chance to win. I'll take that. That's That's fine. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You asked me how many teams you think could beat the Celtics. You said four in the, West. in the West. I said three, but I have two teams I'm considering. I, in the Mavericks when when I say you think you have a chance, I'm thinking they have like around oh, no, 50, I have 50 two. 40% chance. I have two. Like and one of them, I think it's 70-30. Uh, well, like, if they can beat you two or three times, that's 10. Clippers? I'm gonna include them. Yeah, I this is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying that Julius Randle, this time in the playoffs, is going to be big time. Maybe. It's third time's the charm. He's been bad for the first two Julius Randle is a guy in a regular season. Sometimes you watch him, you say, wow, this guy's he's one of the better players in the league. He's that good. It's a high bar. You, wa you watch Julius Randle play. Try to be careful about that. Some, better players in the league. Sometimes you say, you say wow, well, Julius well, Randle well. is, is really one of them ones. He been, if he yeah. translates to the playoffs with Jalen Brunson playing at, at a high level with Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, 
OG and Anobi, Hartenstein, if we get Mitch back, if we get one player in the trade deadline that can fulfill that six-man role, the Knicks Bones. can go to the conference finals. But they could go to the NBA finals because I don't I don't trust Joe Mazzulla. I mean, you're talking about the Knicks you and the Celtics in the series. I don't know. That's tough because you know OG's you know OG's gonna lock down one of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Yeah. He's gonna lock he one can of them for down. a quarter. Definitely can for a quarter. You know he's gonna always do that. gets his shit off, bro. Hey, you know, at this point, Drew Holiday off, cannot guard Jalen Brunson. One on one, Jalen Brunson. Right, we got Derek White there too. Oh, well, you do it. It don't matter anyway. You want to go into the thing? We, anyway. we got, you know, Jalen Brunson will drop thirty. He just dropped thirty-one on the Heat. I have no doubt in my mind. Jalen Brunson is gonna get thirty every night. Yeah, that's I'm expecting what I'm that. I just can't have Josh Hart or Dante DiVincenzo shooting, you know, like like four for eight. Right. Can't have that. Hey, Dante. Can Jalen Brunson be Ooh. the best player in the series that features Jason Tatum? He shouldn't be. Is that Last a possibility? Is was that a possibility? Jimmy Butler in the postseason. Won't they're even cap. He's, he can there. be, and you'd still lose. He's not wrong. But he shouldn't be. Well, your We're case, gonna have serious conversations about Tatum. Tatum just needs. Sometimes I feel I feel like he forgets he's like six nine. Because bro, every <laughs> once in a while he'll have a quarter like last night. Right. Second quarter he was I think he was nine for ten in the second mm-hmm. quarter or nine for ten going into halftime. He did not miss, he missed one shot in the second quarter. He was just getting downhill, downhill, downhill. We were playing the Pacers, not the best defensive team. No, by if if Randall shows up, this is a different Knicks team in the playoffs but for here's, sure. This I find this very very interesting. The idea of Julius Randall playing well in the postseason because the Knicks have more floor spacing. And that's a big start with OG and Dante in the corner shooting the cover off the ball, especially OG. But the unique thing that matters is that why is Julius Randle stinking up every time in the postseason? He hasn't played that physical. He sells really tough mid-range looks. He's taking seven threes. He's making 33% of the Bad matchups, too. He's really not actually attacking. Al Horford's got his ass on lock. Al Horford locks up a lot of these guys. Damn. But Randle this year is playing more physical, getting mm-hmm. downhill into the paint, taking more short mid-range floaters, kind of replacing his three-point volume with them. And because he's driving and attacking more, getting to the foul line seven times, you can make the case he's going to be less predictable to defend. And last year, what made Evan Mobley and Bam Adebayo's lives easier defending him was that they knew his tendency, going to a pull-up mid-range look, because they saw it the entire regular season. But this year, if Randall's healthy, because we still haven't gotten the timetable of when he's going to come back or whether or not he needs surgery. He could need surgery tomorrow morning, and then the Knicks are not going to be going to the finals this year. But if he is back in a couple of weeks and doesn't have to get surgery, there is a chance he plays well this postseason because he's actually going to play aggressive and downhill. And given the amount of floor spacing to open up the floor, he's not going to be getting as many double teams. The one thing, though, Drew, that bothers me, and this is why I'm lower on Randall, is how much of the emotional roller coaster he wait he, he rides all the time. That to me when drives he gets, me crazy. When he gets down, the that he gets down. Yeah. Have you seen our net rating without Julius Randle? I have not. What's it look like? It's great. I think we can I'm still make the finals without him too. Holy shit! You have bro, one crater. enough. You have one crater. Enough. What are you talking about? That's gonna be tough, bro. Enough. That's gonna be like and that net rating has the, quickly on the the, floor. the path that, is that Julius Randle plays like an All NBA player in the playoffs. Dante Defensive just Dog. put up twenty. But you need a, you need another guy in the playoffs. He, he just did. had thirty. Dog, hold up, a role player dropped twenty in January. What they the could go to the finals. He just had thirty. They're not beating the Bucks without Randle. I'm saying like. Our offense and our team does kind of get unlocked when Julius Randle doesn't play. That's all it's I'm a regular saying. season. I'll, we can make the conference finals even without Randle. It's the regular season. We could give Ooh. we can give you guys fits on defense, bro. No, yeah, that's the one thing that scares me. It should be scary. We need Randle though. Yeah, th- thank you. You don't yes. have another creator besides Brunson. So if Randle's out of the lineup, you have nobody else to go to. That's going to be easy to pick apart. Good luck. OG got to step up. He's going to play forty eight. Like OG could shoot well and he could drive, but like he's not a creator. He can't really drive. <laughs> it's just nasty. Want, you don't want can't dribble. Decisions. I'll be honest. He's uh, 
He's a 3 and D player. He's maybe one of the best 3 and D players you'll ever see, but just that. He's been getting downhill a little bit with New York. I see some some slams, some dunks, some posterizers. As long as he doesn't have to make yeah. a three. It's cutter. As long as you don't got to put this shit down yeah. and one, one get into the mold. Exactly. I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> but I, I have seen. Maybe not off the bound, you know what I mean? Not like tween, tween, none of that. <laughs> no, no, no. I know it sounds crazy, but I have seen the Knicks play without Randall a lot, and I have seen the Knicks play without Randall in the playoffs for stretches. Mm-hmm. And we still look like a great team. Great is a strong word. Great, you no, be, great. You yeah, be, we still look like a great. You can be team. a great team in the regular season. Doesn't <laughs> mean you can go to the finals. Today? No, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious with I'm you. I'm happy for you because this is the first yeah. time you've really been pushing some Nick yeah, shit. I great. haven't heard some Nick it. shit in a minute. I love it. I'm happy. Minutes this being is, nice. It's been a long time. I feel like yeah, maybe not all great. year. Keep it stacked. We haven't gotten this since 2022. You haven't gotten this version. You're right. You haven't. You really haven't. Need more of this. 2022. It was such a big letdown for me that year, man. Kemba was different. The Knicks made the finals. That'd be cool. That's what I want to see him make a move at the deadline. I'm talking about the ECF. Yeah, I oh, like it. Sure. I, I like really it. think they're the second best team if they're healthy. I like Philly, man. Really so who don't. do you like for the Knicks at the deadline? One player I've been vocal about is Bowens Highland because he's not going to cost you a first-round pick. And he could fulfill the same offensive role and Emmanuel quickly could. And then if Mitch is actually coming back this postseason, maybe you want to make a move for a backup pick. Um, but they may need one if Mitch is not going to come back. Do you trust Bones in the playoffs? No, but do you trust Emmanuel quickly in the playoffs? Um, I hate to be a hater to, towards my former player, but Riv, remember the conversation we had about quickly? Yeah. He's averaging 17 and 6 in Toronto. Not great. I think well, we were on the same page. No, we were. That, that's what I'm, talk, saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. I don't think <laughs> he's been saying. hurt a couple games, right? He didn't play a couple games. I like quickly, but I think that people overrated him once he got traded from the Knicks. You know what it is? It's because of Tyrese Maxey. I think with Max, we underestimate just how quick and explosive he is. Quickly is a or good just how athlete. much of a better player he is. Well, honestly. the reason why he's a better player, Maxi's game off the dribble is he's way more explosive. He's a dog. I mean, man. that first step he has, second and none, gain to the rim. But quickly, it's probably going to tap out as like Mike Conley, which is a really good starter. But probably, and you named that was an amazing comparison by you. He's probably never going to make an All Star game, but he's always going to be like a high end starter. Um, but with the Bones Island point, that is the type of creator who can give you four threes in a quarter and will shift one or two playoff games. In a series, they'll come down to one or He's two. He's gonna get picked on on defense. Yeah, no, without a doubt. So was quick. So was Dante. Yeah, like Dante's a good defender, but playoffs, bigger guys pick on him. He's small. And that'd be the one exception because what what this Knicks team has done very well is built a physical group with OG. Dante's smaller, but he can get into the ball quite well for a six foot five guard. And their front court as well is so physically imposing. You can in many different lineups have one smaller guard who. Hey, look, Highland may get picked on, but I actually think for a player who. Does not seem like a good defender. He makes a good amount of plays. Like he can hold up, and you he think has. he's a better defender than Sam Hauser. Uh, no, I don't. Um, and Sam Hauser, <laughs> he like doesn't six, look eight. like it. But <laughs> he's a solid defender. Um, but Bowen Highland, I think last postseason as well, made some decent plays, and it wasn't like he was being attacked in a way where it play him off the floor. So, I think that it's going to be tricky fitting every single deserving reserve in the All Stars in the All Star game. Because I feel like in the East, there's going to be a lot of snubs. In the West, is going to be a lot of snubs. More so in the West. There's a lot of all-star caliber players in the Western Conference. And what we're about to do is we're about to draft these reserves. There's seven spots in the East and the West. We can start off in the East. And how we're going to do this is we're going to separate into teams. So it's going to be Team Dells and John. Oh, we're still doing it that way. Yes. And <laughs> a team, normal team draft, Riv and though, Joel. Whatever the fuck he was talking about yes, before the show. Yes, so... There's going to be seven spots, and you know we're each going to 
come collectively and exactly. agree on that player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wait, what? And just agree on that player mm-hmm. as a team. As yeah, your your guy, your okay. team. That's, yes. You keep confusing us with that part. It's like okay, all right, okay. I don't think it was that confusing. No, it's not. It's I think it's just like implied when you say you have a team. It's not like if John's like we're. Not, I'm like we're, we're putting Hauser on here. John's like no, I'm be like nah, put Hauser on my fucking list. We're not gonna do that. So what should I? What what is your team name? Um, team JT. JD. That's Dicky. What JT? Why are we gonna oh, that's hard. <laughs> team JT. Team JT. So what, what's our what's our name? Um, Team RJ? Fuck no. Oh my. RJ. Come on, bro. RJ Barrett? RJ Barrett? RJ? Can't be RJ Barrett. That's not what you're naming your team. Let's go team. I guess we go Team RJ. Fuck it. Okay, Team RJ. So, NBA All-Star Reserves Draft. First pick. East or West? Team JT. We'll start in the East. Cool, let's do it. We'll get first pick in the East. You get first pick in the West. Sounds about right. We're not taking Jalen Brown, brother. Not first? Not first. Um, Okay, Jalen Brown. I'm with you. Yep. Okay. Jalen Brunson, we're, we're respecting the king of New York right no. now. That is 100% accurate. Wow. First player off the, the board. The tough part of speaking to each other is that you're going to hear conversations. And then you're going to take the guys we're speaking about but not picking. So we're going to first fill out the Eastern Conference uh, reserves first. So yeah. you guys got Brunson. Jalen Brunson. Next pick, Donovan Mitchell. We're he's, both on the same he page. He should have been the first pick. Yep. Donovan, well, relax. Well, first of all, respect Jalen Brunson. Relax. What he's been doing, what Don's been doing world. without his dudes. Yeah. <sighs> Other world, you can't, you, you know, you can't go wrong. Watch Donovan Mitchell seasons. is the second yeah. pick. I'm so excited. Um, I think, I so think good. our second pick is pretty easy. Philly, yes, yeah, Tyrese, Tyrese, Tyrese Maxi, hundred percent. The real Reese, Halliburton's the starter. <laughs> Shouldn't have been, should have been Don, but you know we're here. Oh, I, my apologies. I thought you were trying to take uh, Halliburton. There. Oh no, no, no. I just you know that's yeah, yeah. Tyrese, man. So so far we have Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, and Tyrese Maxi. Now for this forward spot, or we can go center. We're doing it like that? I just thought we're doing the best seven. Oh, we're building seven. a team? I just thought yeah. we're doing the best seven. That's good to know. Oh, no, we are doing the best seven. So I, okay. I don't want to go But forward. I feel like the, the, the... I think the next one should be Trey Young. You think so? I think so. Would you go Trey Young over Chris Porzingis? I think we they'll find... We can get him on the team still, is why I'm saying. But I think Trey Young... You know what? Either or. I think Trey's been hooping too. But. Because we have, we have four more spots to fill. And the players that are all-star caliber to me are Porzingis... Jalen Brown, yeah, Julius Randle, Paolo Boncaro, Scotty Barnes, Bam Adebayo. You think Trey Young's next, huh? <laughs> yeah. Over Scotty Barnes, yes. <laughs> yeah. You were you started to get. Would you go Trey Young over Jalen Brown? Um, it's close. I would. You can't ask me. Oh yeah, he's in my teammate. I'm sorry. The fuck? <laughs> would you? Yeah, would you go Jalen Brown or Chris Porzingis? Chris Ops. over uh, Trey Young. Oh. Or Trey Young is over both of them. I think Trey's over both, but I would go Porzingis next. Okay, you know that's fair. I'll go Trey Young too. We'll cool. go Trey Young with our okay. next pick. That's the tree, man. I'm thinking of somebody down south. Down south? Yeah. Talking shit to Booker the other night. Talk to who? He's talking shit to Booker the other night. Who? My fault. Well, I don't really want to say the name. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Talk shit to Booker. The we got to think about teams in the south. Yeah, I know. I, that's what's going through my head right now. I'm thinking Atlanta. Miami's in the Trae south. Young. I'm thinking, yeah, Bam. Uh, who, was talking connection. who was talking shit to Booker? Paulo. I'll just say it. Oh, Paulo. You, want, you Paulo. want him here, though? You think he's the most, you think he's a third round <sighs> deserve it reserve? It's tough. Over Jalen Brown's crazy. That, I've Over seen Jalen Brown crazy. here. That seems like, that seems like what my brain would go. But right. I'm a little biased. Porzingis, I feel like, even too, if you want to have mm. that conversation. Um, I'm looking for somebody who can create more, which is why I prefer Barnes or Paulo for others. 
We want that position. Buddy, this is reserves, man. Who's having the better season? You're we're right. not we building a team not here. We're just yeah. like basically most deserving yeah. reserves. Okay. So Paulo's been what he does for his team at his age is super impressive. Make the case for Jalen. We'll take him for Jalen Brown over Paulo. He's been more healthy, or he's been the the most healthy or second most healthy behind JT mm-hmm. this season. He's been an All NBA caliber defender. We saw okay. him go one on one with Luka Doncic and just allow five points on over thirty possessions. Okay. Um, he's improved his ball handling, his decision making, most assists in his career, fewest turnovers since twenty nineteen. Uh, 2020 season. The efficiency is higher than last season. Mm. Overall, I think he's having a great year. I'm with it. Paul has played 47 games too, but I'm with it. We'll take JB. Okay. Jalen Brown is the fifth pick that we've made in totality. So now for the sixth pick, we have two more Eastern Conference reserves to pick. We can go Porzingis here. Porzingis is here. That's our next pick. Okay, I'm cool. No brainer. I'm totally on the Paulo train. Okay. Yeah, we'll take him right here. And we also get to you know add some more reserves that maybe wouldn't get love on the mm-hmm. regular ballots. It's going to be sick when we draft Scotty Barnes. <laughs> so our final reserves picks for the East are Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Maxey, Trey Young, Jalen Brown, Paolo Boncaro, Christos Porzingis. The snubs are... Oh, I thought we were doing seven each. Oh, no. We was doing just seven in oh, totality. I'm with seven each. <laughs> you want to do seven each yeah. in total? Yeah, well, we're doing an odd number. You're getting three. We're getting four. That's unfair. So then you guys do one more. But the, in the West, then they get the first pick. Yeah, so then even okay. out. So you can just do one more. Just to be even, so yes. there, but then I feel like you either go all or nothing. We can't do eight because it's seven, so we could you do would seven. Seven. <laughs> seven. You would be the ones to do one work. It's just is yeah. it worth we'll having the next more. seven? Like who? Else, like so, let's do it. Fuck it, we're here. Okay, let's do seven. Let's We're do here. Seven. So, so one more Eastern Conference reserve. We yeah. pick. We have two. This is the replacement. If you we will, have to make three drafting. more picks. Okay. Yeah, we have to, so we're going seven straight. Fine. Fuck it. Let's have fun. Let's that. do it. Okay. So I'm looking. We just stopped Paulo. Bam. It's our pick. I think. No, it is our pick. Oh, my apologies. Yeah, yeah. I like Bam or Scotty. I'm cool with either. Just took Porzingis, no? No, you just took Boncaro after. Oh, we yeah. took Porzingis yeah. before. We took yeah. Porzingis. So, Bam or Scotty, pick your player. Over Siakam? Mm. Okay, Scotty, Bam, mm-hmm. Barnes. Scotty, Bam, Barnes. <laughs> Pascal, Bam, Scotty. I'll go Pascal next. I think he's the next all-star mm-hmm. here. You know, Trayon hasn't been taken, right? He has. He has. He was our first pick. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> now my second. Was... He was our second pick, actually. Okay, I thought it makes sense. So we're both making teams of seven. Yeah. Okay. That okay. Was, cool. So our pick, we got Don, we got Trey, we got KP. I think here Bam would be my choice. But do you feel Brown. about, do you think Scotty's having a better season? KP and Pascal. Scotty this year has no, been they got Jalen Brown. slightly better. But so our team right now is Mitchell, Trey, Pascal. But we're not building a team. We're just I seven know. most. No, you're right. You're right. You have to tell him no. Drew like, this is Drew. He's like, Drew would love this because we're just building the best seven. I know, but we do need to take a center though. Yeah, you got to eventually take a center. Um, we have. We just need. I would take Bam here personally. Okay, yeah, we need the center anyway. Yeah, for this non-team, we're not building. We're just need a center. that's why we picked KP. We're here. We got. So we took Bam. So now we can take need one. You want to take Scott or you want to take LaMelo Ball? Ooh! This team is one of the worst teams in the league. And he has played, he's played half the games, but when he's played, he's been amazing. I think we I think we could save him. I don't think we need to pick him right now. We have four guys. It's our fifth pick. I think yeah. he'll be there. But okay. we can go LaMelo. If you want to go, if, let's see if, let me see if I can You think they're him. not going to take LaMelo? <laughs> they no might one, take LaMelo. Do you think John is going to take LaMelo? I feel like they might definitely eye and take LaMelo. Well, let me see. What about... I don't, there's nobody else left. Take Unless you think that we can take Scotty and then we can take 
DeJounte Lamella. Murray or something. I would say Lamella. the names Lamella. are getting Lamella. ugly for these last four Lamella. picks, bro. No, we've got one or two in the chamber. Okay, John. Uh, you got one or two in the chamber. So I we're got taking Lamella. But who, Lamella who you got Ball. in the chamber? You know one of them. Is it the man that plays in Boston? Yes. Okay. D. White. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> That's their pick? That's your Not pick? Not yet. For, seriously? I just want to. I would have <laughs> been with it. At this I know point, you would have. At this point, Is I mean, who else? I don't like, like board speak to us. Okay, because I'm, I'm looking through the board right now. Right. If we don't take Derek White, mm-hmm. uh, like, what are we talking about here? Demar, Mikhail Bridges, Demar, Dejounte. No. no, hell no. Uh, uh, Julius Randle. Julius Randle's hurt though, so we he's right. not gonna you know. Can't take Julius. Franz, uh, Kobe Franz? White. Hey, Kobe <laughs> White. You know he's. he's you want to go? But we can't take Julius Randle. No, he's hurt. He's, he's hurt. hurt. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. Turner. Like who? I'm not going to lie. I think Derek Jared White Allen? is probably the most deserving. Ooh, Jared Allen's a great call. Jared Allen's amazing. Call. He's a great call. Yeah, oh, yeah, what that. happened? You should have kept that to yourself. No, yeah. I wanted, we have a center. We're good. You feeling we don't Jared need Allen? One. I think Jared, yeah. I yeah, think Jared Allen's amazing season. We cooked. You guys took Jared Allen? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so we're going with Jimmy Butler. <laughs> great that's pick. That's, that's so nice. Sleepers. I should don't move me. You just took Jared Allen, buddy. I deleted Jimmy because I had him as a snub. Maybe we should... Make teams because our team is nice. We have yeah. Mitchell, Trey Young, Lamelo, Jimmy, Pascal, Porzingis. Our starting five yeah, is right there. Because we were, we weren't building a team. We were just yeah. picking our guys. Be, was I would have picked the best ones. I would have gotten to this differently if it, if it, if that was the case. Yeah, but we we just we just accidentally built a great team. Yeah, that's true. We, we didn't have any intentions. That's what don't move me because you know we're building a team. You guys can't fuck with me. Mm. So do you want the West? Do you want to build teams? Sure. Yes, so let's do that. So we'll, we'll go seven teams. first five in the next two. We so have okay. to take Derek White first in the East. We got to have him. So Derek White for that last pick? I don't think pick. you realize, Riff, it's guys like Derek White that move the needle. And that shit don't matter. We are more talented. He's a winning guy. player. Yeah, you're more talented. We're way we more have talented. Lamelo yeah, off the like bench, the buddy. And Sixers. Derek White's putting him in hell. They never win that shit. If you have Coach Joe Mazzula coaching your team, you're done. The most winning coach in NBA history? Our coach Nick Nurse. No, Spoh. Fuck all that. You're not allowed to praise Nick Nurse at the way he spoke about him. Your coach is Steve Kerr. You said he was a glorified doctor. We're in the East, I don't care. He's your coach for the East and the West. West, no. Our coach is uh, Tyloo. Uh, West. He might be. Derek White? You never know. Yes, do you Derek have someone White. else? Okay. I, I love him. Yeah. Derek White. Okay, so we're going Scotty Barnes? Yeah, he's okay. still here. We're, we're, yeah. we're going Scotty yeah, we Barnes. we clear you. Jesus Christ. No, actually, it's not even close. <laughs> okay, so just to recap to you guys listening or watching out there, we made seven reserves picks for the Eastern Conference each. Riv and I are on one team. John and Dells are on one team. John and Dells, what's your team? Recap it. Our starting lineup is Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Maxey, Jalen Brown, Paolo Banquero, Bam Adebayo. Our two reserves are Derek White and Jared Allen. So fucking mid. Our five reserves off the off the bench first come with uh, Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, Christos Porzingis, and Pascal Siakam. And then off the bench, we got Lamelo and we got Scotty Barnes. Yeah, we're frying y'all. You, you lied. We're frying. You lied so bad. Win. I think you're missing. You're lying. <laughs> you have too many me guys. Yeah. Think so? Yep. Jimmy Bob is not a me guy. Porzingis is yeah, a we're me guy. Fit too. Mm-hmm. How they clash? What's all their Butler and Siakam? The lack signs. of floor spacing there is going to be a real concern yeah. in the half court. Uh, with our lineup, we Bro just got White. a ton of floor <laughs> spacing. <laughs> <laughs> DeJounte Murray is a better pick than Derek White. <laughs> You're insane. You do not. I can't even agree. You don't think so? One of the worst takes of the year. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's De, lock uh, full 180 on DeJounte, though. Goddamn. Nah, yeah. not chill, chill, chill. I'm not a DeJounte fan. Relax. <laughs> uh, I'm not a DeJounte oh, no. fan. So for um, the West, you guys get the first pick. Mm. Okay. Bef- before we go, um, I want to read some super chats that we have. Yep. So Noob Rage goes, did you guys talk about the Pacers' new 
defensive coordinator yet. Mm-hmm. We have not. No, uh, Pat Packers, Packers. sorry. So we did not, but, you know, Dells told me this news um, when we was chilling before the show. And not too familiar with him from Boston College. Defense coordinator had a lot of success there. He's a young, up-and-coming coach. Matt LaFleur, I I trust him to make this type of hire. I agree. Who knows how he'll translate to the NFL. I'm not too familiar with him, but, you know, hopefully it's it's better than Joe Barry. Really won't be a high bar. And we saw last year the best defensive coordinator in football is Mike McDonald. Came from the college ranks in Michigan. And Jim Harbaugh is bringing over the D coordinator, I think, too, from Michigan. Mm. Damian Delgado goes, if you take Luka and put him in a Kevin Durant scenario and wins two rings like KD did, will that be enough to put Luka over Dirk all time? Uh, Yeah. I think Luka just needs one championship to be over Dirk all time. He's already a better regular season and postseason With no MVP? I think he Dirk has one MVP, right? I I don't. Yeah. I think if it was zero to one, Lucas, I think going to get one MVP at some point. Asked he needs to speed up. Yeah, <laughs> well, twenty-five. He's not even. He's closer to twenty than thirty right now. <laughs> not moved. LeBron Mr. got his at what? Twenty-two. Twenty-three. Twenty-two. Uh, no, that was Derrick Rose. So twenty. Derrick Rose got it at twenty-one. No, I'm Derrick not Rose sure. got it at twenty-two. <laughs> okay, so, so LeBron probably got like yeah. twenty-three. Mister Downtown know. goes heads up. It won't count 24. as a game if you if you play one minute. Minimum 20 minutes. Oh, there is thing? exceptions for guys who suffer season-ending injuries Cause Drew if Holiday, they play half a season. Drew Holiday, he did that one year with the Bucks to get to get a bonus. Mm. So they didn't have the restriction for what he did. He just subbed in, subbed out, fouled somebody. Mikel did that too to get yeah. his 82nd game last year. Yeah. Or his 83rd game, I think. So I don't think yeah. – maybe he might be – might not, I'm not going to say he's lying, but I, I've seen guys do it. So that's why mm-hmm. I brought it up. And Booty Licker what? 2000 wrote, John's here, WW. I appreciate you, bro. How do you feel about Booty Liquor giving you Super Chat, man? Great name. Thank you. He, for he paid <laughs> just to get your attention, Booty Liquor. Right. It's a great name. He paid just for you. So um, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the chat right now, and it looks like people were reacting to our All Star Reserves picks, mm-hmm. and they were waiting for us to pick on certain players that we all eventually picked anyway. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to. The Western Conference that we have the first pick in. We completely changed how we did it, and I love it. We really did, and I, I think this is much better because I actually want to build a team that's going to kick your guys' ass. So that, that's why that's why I love it that much more. You know, if you're going to make those Derek White picks, it's going to be relatively. The West easy. is no. It should be no Derek White picks. We should get some legit guys. Well, there's a reason why Derek White is going to be playing the finals this year. Okay, JJ yeah. Redick. Okay. <laughs> Okay, and JJ, he never missed the playoffs until last year in the NBA. So clearly, he's got. I love JJ. Familiarity with I, I think none. Pat Bev was cooking up a stat him. like that too. Yeah, what's up? Pat Bev was cooking up a stat like too. He didn't miss the playoffs for like, like he was like nine, ten years straight. Not right, that makes playoffs. sense. Yeah. These are winning players to make a difference. Drafting a team of all-star caliber teams that are going to be right. reserves. Raven, I got the first pick. We know who the first pick is, right? Steph Curry. Of course, Steph Curry's you know, our first or Kawhi. pick. Kawhi, it's whatever you want to do. Let's go, Steph. Yeah, Let's smart, go, Steph. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is easy. AD? Anthony Davis is number two. Let's yeah. do it. That's a great pick. That's what I wanted. I wish you could have snaked that. I yeah. thought he was going to pick Ant-Man. That's why I had to throw I AD. Know, yeah. Oh, come on. Um, Relax. Okay, so to me, those were the obvious top three picks. Yeah. Now I think it's more of a discussion. Yeah. No, it's really tough because there's a steep drop-off. Fumble it already. Look at these Maybe guys. not a steep <laughs> drop-off, but what you're looking for. We need somebody who can kind of... Lockdown AD. What you're looking for. Well, this is the thing. This is they they have doing. their five. We don't have to take a five. 
Like, if we wanted to, we could wait to the last round and take going, Gobert. We're going. That's exactly No, you can definitely, because we're not taking Gobert. Yeah. yeah. Like, if we need someone to But if you want to put Gobert or AD, that's fine, too. I'm aware. I'm just thinking that between just, Booker and Just imagine and Steph and AD in a pick and roll with Gobert De'Aaron out this there. year is shooting 39% from three on volume. De'Aaron? Him or Book? <laughs> that's a tough one. Um... So Ant-Man's not in this conversation. He is in the conversation, but I'd rather have De'Aaron this year. You'd rather have De'Aaron than Ant? Yes. <laughs> Why do y'all giggle at that? The so funny to you. What's your pick? I could have picked Fox. Um, uh, we'll wait then. On <laughs> this is also the thing. They have Curry. They're not taking Fox. No, you're right. Yeah, we so we don't got to take Curry. They're going to take Paul George. Excuse me. We don't got to take Fox. We're not taking Paul George on next pick. Um, we know we can get him later. So I think we don't need to take a point guard. Wait a Paul, minute. Paul George. John, I think relax. it's between Paul George or Book. Yeah. Oh, or Ant. Paul George Book Ant. This is the three Relax I'm on PG, buddy. Booker's been better this year. Um Booker's recently too. Last few games he's been hooping his ass off. I'm, take I'm the loser. Booker. Let's take Book. Dev, okay, yeah. I'm cool with that. I'll take, take the forty Booker. point loser. We probably should have never left. We should have kept our poker face on. We would have got Devin yeah. Booker. Yeah. Too much emotion from you too. We should have let you Yeah, if you would have picked Fox, we didn't laugh. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think Fox had a hell on a red season. You can have him. He's not like Booker though. He, he's guarding Steph, so so what's our next pick? So we have we have multiple options, you know. Anthony Edwards on the board, Paul George, Kyrie. We don't need mm-hmm. Kyrie. We can save Kyrie for the bench. We have Zion. We have Brendan Ingram. Don't say one. There's one guy we can wait on. I know he's gonna be there. It's either between PG A. You could pick. I'm going with Paul George. Let's, Let's go with Paul it. George. Yeah. Good Put pick. him at the three or the two. Good pick. At the three. Okay. Shout out to PG man. It's mm. my brother in Christ. There's a couple of different ways we can go here. Getting tricky for you guys, huh? Not quite. No, Not this is the thing. I'm just think, observing the board. I think, <laughs> is there a wing that sticks out to you? There's two. There's two. Mm-hmm. Sure, Desmond Bain. Um, who, who are those wings? Um, they just named one of them. Desmond Bain? Yeah, I'm not ready to take him. <laughs> God. <laughs> I know it's every move. Desmond <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm, I'm playing with him. It's actually another wing. <sighs> We need a wing here because we don't got to take a yeah. point guard. We I'm don't got to take a, a center. I'm thinking of a guy. So you're not taking Ant-Man? Utah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I like him. John, I like where your head's at. I, like I guess we can go He could sit there right in the four. Yeah, let's yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. I think Larry Markin's a great pick. We're taking Lori. Yeah. Okay, that was That's a great, great pick. pick. We was yeah. waiting for that. It cooked, was. John. You cooked. Cook. Anthony Edwards. <laughs> He's next silly. up. Yeah. It's a good yeah. pick. I like that pick. Um, I'll be honest. It's getting dark for you guys over there. Yeah. Our team is pretty nuts. So we could take... You guys are definitely a team built We need a point paper. guard and we need a center. Uh, mm-hmm. Fox is still on the board. Yeah. For center, Sabonis, uh, Rigo mm-hmm. Bear. Yeah. This is tough. Struggling. It's... We have some optionality here. We need a point guard or a center. Um, mm-hmm. Chet? Unless you'd like Chet to play the I five, like get Chet. some spacing there. I like there. Chet a bit, but mm-hmm. AD I would rather somebody him. else. Who would you rather have? I want to wait around Derek and Lively. take him. Okay. Yeah. So is here the De'Aaron Fox pick? I like De'Aaron Fox here. How about you? Okay. I like that I think too. It's good value. That's a great pick. I think De'Aaron Fox is definitely somebody we were eyeing on our draft for board. Sure, for sure. If he felt if he if he voice. fell to us, we would probably taken him. But because he didn't, we're going with Kyrie Irving with the next pick. And he's gonna be our sixth man off the bench. Good for you. Good for like you. Yep, yep, yep. Like quite a bit. Ah, so, this is getting too so easy. We need center and we need two over there. We need two bench <laughs> spots. Yeah. You know, I think we're going to go with... Nah, I'm not going to say that out loud. I feel like I've made a lot of picks in the East, so I'm going to defer to you mm, for, for you. this. I know you're deferring because you're just not good in the East, in the West, but, you know, you know help I'm your part I'm between a center and a shooting guard. Okay. Um, I like the guard quite a bit here. I didn't name him before. 
Let me do some research real quick. Brother, you're on the clock. <laughs> I'm feeling Desmond Bain with pick. this selection. This is the Desmond Bain pick. I know they're not going to take the guy we're taking next. Uh, this is the thing. I don't think they're going to take Desmond Bain, period. So if, we're not. We, if we wanted to, we could probably <laughs> wait for the last pick. Let's take Alper and Shingun then. What do you think? Uh, you want Shingun for the five? five or Sabonis? Oh, my God. Mm. We're going to want that playmaker at the five off the bench. AD's going to have fun. Oof. I mean, yeah. AD's going to kill no matter what. Well, uh, maybe not on offense. We'll see about that. Against who? Sabonis? You're not familiar with what we're about to do. All right, should we do it just because if we take Shingun, it looks like a ball nowhere pick? Well, that's a small <laughs> role in the equation. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's yeah. the reason I got Ali and him. Um, Demontis has been slightly better as a playmaker this year. But Sabonis has been better, period. Yes. In my opinion. I want to have Shingun. We got a couple ways we can go I here. I want Shingun. Okay. I say Shingun. Yeah. Shingun. They can have okay, that. so what's your team right now? We have. Well, we're missing a center. Uh, well, no, we that, have a center, center, but I have an idea. You're missing a center. Well, yeah, we, we are. <laughs> don't don't um, worry your little heart about it. <laughs> our team is De'Aaron Fox. Cool. Devin Booker. That's nice. Kawhi Leonard. It's a good team. Lori. Not done. Lori Markkinen and Alperin Jengun. It's a good starting five. Okay. It's nice. Yeah, that's good. I it does actually like fit well. Yeah. Like I was saying, we build our team you, when, when, when you asked me to build a team, that's what I did. Yeah. It's okay, cool. they, they took Jengun. I'm actually glad you took Shingun because he deserves to be recognized in this type of like exercise. I'll, I'll be honest, I thought we were gonna take him next. Yeah, I, I like Shingun. Okay, we so we could take Shet, or we could take Wemby. We could take Wemby. Now this is where it, four, this where it comes down to the All Star Reserve players I have left in my pool. We have Brandon Ingram. Mm. We have Sabonis. Zion. We have Zion. We have Cat. We have Gobert, Chet, and Wemby. If we want to go sh- for defense, Cat will be there. We can go with Gobert. Off the bench? Yeah, on or to start. It could be Steph, AD, Paul George, Anthony Davis, and Gobert. Or we can have Steph and Kyrie start with Edwards and Paul George play the three and and four, and then at the five is AD and Gobert's off the bench. Hmm. Or we could go Wemby, and we could start Wemby at the five. (laughs) He wants to go. (laughs) um, hmm. I'm good off Brandon Ingram, personally. Yeah, okay, I'll take him off. I'm good off Zion, personally. Me uh, too. Don't know if he'll play the game. Um, you know what? We can go Wemby. Okay, cool. We're going with Victor Wembanyama. That's a great pick. We're going generational here. Okay, okay. We're starting so him. tell me your starting five. Our starting five is Steph Curry, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Anthony Davis, Victor Wembanyama, and then Kyrie Irving is our sixth man. It's a good squad you got there. That's kind of nasty. It's a good squad you got there. Our defense. You know, Victor, the five is... Whew. Some D. Um, What's your five again? Sangoon? A little small. We got two more picks, buddy. He's going to start John, for you, it sounds like. We need, we need help defensively. <laughs> 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 Rudy Gobert is still here. You know? Rudy Gobert is here. Um, oh, they, you have one more pick left, right? We sure do. Um, Rudy Gobert is here. Will they take Rudy Gobert with their last pick? I, Most I don't, definitely not. I don't think so. They got two bigs already. Yeah. Unless just to fuck with us. <laughs> Just yeah. fuck so us. they took Wemby. We're gonna take a big here. Okay. And we're gonna double dip afterwards, I think. Okay. I'm feeling Shed Homegrown at the selection. I like that. What do you I think? like that? Hope and I, like Shed at the Shed. I like that. Okay. We're going Shed. I got, we got some guys. We got Harden left, J Dub left. Mm-hmm. Um what else we got left? Okay, so you're going with like Harden, J Dub. So bonus is still left, but I don't think we need a big. Cat is also still left, but I don't think we need a big. I think we're out of the wing guard tandem, unless, you know, we go. You guys did not select Rudy Gobert, or you did? Nope. We took Chet. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not opposed to Rudy Gobert. You want to go big again? Number one, 
best defensive player in the league, you can argue. Yeah. He's anchoring the number one defense in the league. 12 rebounds a game. We'd have, yeah, we'd have Anthony Davis and Rudy and Wemby. Can can we see if we can find something else? Mm. Yes. Before we go. Sabonis this year is averaging 20, 14, and 8. Cat is a 40% three-point shooter. And we have guys like AD and Wemby to protect and man the paint. Oh, yeah, I'm not worried about the defense. We cooked there. To me, it's between three guys. It's between Sabonis, Cat, and Gobert. Mm. Mm, we're going big regardless. Okay, okay. Go a big per. Team is trash. I don't know why he's Because I don't know if I want Harden to okay. J-Dub just because I know that they're great players, but I don't know if they're all-star caliber this year. Mm. Go with a big. I trust you. I trust my teammate. Okay, you know what? I'm going to go know, with... Are you uh, thinking about Jaron Jackson at all? He's injured, so we can't use him, right? Hey, get him out of here. It's Cook. between Sabonis, Cat, and Gobert. I was thinking about going defense with Rudy Gobert. I really was, but I feel like we have great defensive interior presences in Anthony Davis and Victor Wembanyama. Mm-hmm. It's between Sabonis and Cat, mm-hmm. and I think Sabonis is a phenomenal playmaker. I think that one and two punch off the bench with Kyrie and, and Sabonis pick and roll would be awesome to see. But I'm feeling the, the jersey love here, and I'm feeling the jersey love between Kyrie and Cat. And I'm, I'm going to go with Cat at this selection. So the good news is these guys put together a bunch of uh, guys that can't defend. Nope. Uh, especially with Cat. Not I think, for a lick. I think we can exploit him quite a bit. And Not what we're going to do, we're really going to optimize our spacing here. I love Take that. Desmond Bain. Ooh. These fools are going to have absolutely no clue how to defend us outside the wing. Desmond Bain over J-Dub. Yeah, J-Dub's a nice pick. By this dude said we don't have no defense when we have Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Wemby, and AD in the starting five. I you know, we have Kat, four great defenders. You have Kat, AD, in space. We're going to pull him out. And then Victor Wembanyama as well. You're going to pull AD out in space. Yeah. Yes. Good luck. Good luck, indeed. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and Kyrie locks in. Well, what I'm saying okay. is we're going to take him at the paint. I gave you everything else. And he can play perimeter defense. He, he can. really can. He can. He can. But but what are you going to do with our offense? How are you going to stop that? Singoon at the five? Steph in the pick? Yeah. We have Chet at the five. Oh, so Singoon at the four? Who are we starting? We're starting Singoon. Okay. Oh, so in the pick and roll, he's the... Got it. Got it. Got it. Mm, we have Larry Markin in help. He's also the pick and roll guy. Got no, it. He's in help at the rim. Oh. Actually. Steph doesn't need to go to the okay. rim. Seven feet. All right. So who's your final pick? <laughs> I'm with Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain, let's do Desmond Bain, man. I think Bain, that's man. the best for our opt- optimizing. Is he injured? Look. Yes, he is. Oh, get him off the list. Okay, But he's played enough games. No, no, no but he, if he's injured right what's now. What's the I, game I, I minimum? If he's injured right now. I, sorry. I haven't watched it. It's been a while since I watched that Grizzlies game. We did take LaMelo Ball, but he's healthy now. I think yes. doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, we can't take Bain hasn't played Because we didn't take Randall because Randall's injured now. But at the end of the day, LaMelo's played 22 games and Bain's played 37. But they're healthy right now. Fuck that. We already started the rules like that. This is a team you're going to draft and put out there tomorrow, so Desmond Bain cannot play I think, tomorrow. Well, he's also partially out the lineup. For, John, uh, it's over. <laughs> I think J, I think J-Dub, if not Desmond Bain, unless there's another person I like mind. J-Dub, but I... I feel like another. we could use another wing. You need help. <laughs> you need interior defense. Your team, uh, team needs some help, man. So either J Dub, don't need your advice, or I don't know. We already have two bigs. I feel like we take a third. We're gonna have we're gonna have uh, Chet and Gobert off the bench. I don't want Gobert on my team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Gobert on my team. Um, Damn man, that team sounds stinky. Desmond Bain, has James to Harden, be a pick Harden would be a nice pick, but Rose just doesn't want to pick him. Okay, this is a we're stuck between a rock and a hard place here. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm letting you have final this say here. This compromises John. our values in some ways. <laughs> you know what? So this is a big game, right? We're looking for a dynamic creator. We have De'Aaron, we have D Book, and we have Kawhi. He's picking Jamal Murray. That was one of my ideas, but not, not quite. You got a lot of guards. Um, the Kawhi man, the freak man. We really can't take another guard. That's why I said J Dub or <laughs> really or can't Robert. Take guard. Yeah, I'll let you make this pick because I really don't have a good option. <laughs> I like um, J Dub. I'll take I'll take J Dub here. Let's do that. Forty-five percent from three, sixty percent on twos. He's lockup. I mean, he is a lot like Shay. Tell us which one of us drafted better. Which team drafted I'll better? Team Twitter. RJ or Team JT? The Team RJ team is Steph Curry, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Anthony Davis, Victor Wembanyama, <laughs> Kyrie Irving, and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, Team JT is De'Aaron Fox. John, you have your team. Yeah, you can take a picture of that and rate your team down. No, I'll just text it to you. Um, that's easier than taking a picture of my screen. Okay, I was gonna give you my phone, but oh, yeah. Well, I'll I can text you it. Please do it now. So you'll be able to copy and paste. Yeah, I'll okay. do it after I, you know, after I say it. <laughs> you guys cooked. You had, you had the first pick, so you could double dip with the top. You three know, dudes. it's cute. It's cute. We would have taken. We didn't get Victor. no snake. There's nothing. no snake. Um. Oh, so now we're blaming it. We didn't have snake in the east. We don't need a snake. Our lineup's optimized. So, <laughs> Team JT is De'Aaron Fox at point. Devin Booker at the two, Kawhi at the three, Laurie Markkinen at the four, Nalper and Shangun at the five. Off the bench, we got J Dub and Shet in Oklahoma City. Ryan okay, Oklahoma. nice. You, you built the OKC roster. We really did. Outside of SGA, he's not there. Maybe could have taken taken a Lou Dort next. Or we Wallace. took your homeboy in Kawhi. Yeah, yeah, good. I like it. I Biggest playoff performance riser. Before uh, we move on to the next segment of the show. This week in the NFL mm. or NBA, and as I want to like to start branding it, prize picks moment of the week. Mm. What was your prize picks moment of the week, Dells? I'll start off with you. Prize picks? I don't have nothing, bro. Oh, it's just this week in the NFL or NBA. Oh, oh. It's just labeled as that. Sorry. My apologies. You fucked me too. Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> I was, I was like, I don't got a prize pick. <laughs> um, I was about to say you compromising my boy. I just texted you a lot, bro. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. I got a would you rather for y'all. This is a player who was just drafted in the Eastern Conference All-Star Reserves. Okay, yeah. Would you rather Derek White edition? <sighs> First name up, his own teammate, Drew Holiday. Derek White at this point. Right now, is Derek White. He's been a better player this year. Damn near in the last two years. Two years is hot. I'm going to take Derek White in the stage of his career. Yeah. DeJounte Murray. DeJounte's a better player than Derek White. I think I'll take Derek White. Fuck. I don't like it. I don't like it at this all. This is a would you rather. I would not rather have DeJounte Murray on my team. Mm. I think a lot of what he does is empty calories. And while he may be a more gifted player that can do more on the offense side of the ball, he can make a higher usage, I would much rather have Derek White as a fourth starter than DeJounte as one of my top three guys. I can respect that. How about OG Ananobi? Oof. I'll go OG. I'm going with OG and Anobi. We're talking about the best three and D win in the game. OG is my pick. Terry Rozier. Derek, Derek White. White. Rozier is a hell of an offensive player, though. But I'll go Derek White. This is a tough one. But I'd rather have Rozier as my sixth man or Derek White as my fifth starter. You know, I'd rather have Derek White. Personally. Okay. James Harden. Holy shit. James Harden. James Harden. 
I'll also go James Harden. Fred Van Vliet. Mm. Derek White. I'll go Derek White. The playmaking Van Vliet's put on. It's been a show this year. But he's not a creator much at all of the score. So I'm going to go with Derek White. Desmond Bain. Desmond, Desmond Bain. Bain. Desmond Bain. Without hesitation. Emmanuel Quickly. Derek, Derek White. White. That's tough. It's not. I'll go with Derek White. What about Kobe White? Kobe White. Oh, that's <laughs> Gotta go Kobe White here, man. I gotta go Derek White here. Hmm. That's my dog, man. All of the stars have aligned for Kobe White this year. He's just 23 years old. You know, I'm going Kobe White. Damn, okay. Last one. Christian Wood. Without <laughs> Derek White. How's Derek, Derek White? He clears. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Who said that, man? Riff. Right. I sure did. Yeah. That happens to the best of us, man. Yes, yes. What's your prospects moment of the week, John? This is for NFL? Yeah, NFL, NBA, whatever you want to Pittsburgh Steelers move the needle. They hired Arthur Smith to become their offensive coordinator. Now, a lot of Steelers fans don't like this move, probably because this last year was pretty bad for his brand. But at the end of the day, Matt Kando is one of the three worst offensive coordinators in football last year. History or coming And in football, not in history. That's disrespect. Maybe it's fair. (laughs) Arthur Smith, going last season to me, was a very solid head coach, like 20th in the NFL. And things did not work out quite well because I felt he got way too cute with his personnel, specifically in short yardage, got to have red zone situations. But this is the best space he's going to have from an offensive perspective. Given his quarterback play the last two years, he had an above-average offense with Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter. I believe he's going to open up the game for Jalen Warren. I do worry this is bad for Najee Harris. Um, because, like, a wide zone scheme is dependent on having good vision to make the right cutbacks. I don't think Najee's a good fit for his run style, but I do believe it's going to be a huge net positive for Pittsburgh because Arthur Smith's a good coach. He's a, I was talking to Joel about it. I'm like, what's your take? He's like, he's a good OC. I'm like, I agree. I don't know why people are so up in the air about this. Even if it doesn't fit fluidly, the Steelers got themselves somebody who's never going to leave because probably not going to be a head coach again. So my prize picks moment of the week, Steelers hiring Arthur Smith. John, you didn't send me the East team, by the way. I did. You only sent me the West. Oh, it's my fault. It's okay, bro. Okay. I just wanted to remind you. Uh, yep. My prize pick moment of the week? Yes. Okay. Uh, the Bulls are not doing shit at the deadline. Mm. And, um, you know, after being angry for about 15 to 20 minutes, I kind of thought about it for a little bit, and it kind of made sense to a degree. You know, they love DeMar. They love they love Alex Caruso. You know, Zach's pretty much getting little to nothing on the, um, on the market. You know, you got guys like Drummond. And stuff like that. Who would have went for seconds? But what the what would have what would that have done for you in the long run? Not too much, you know. Vooch he just resigned his his, you know, the trades for him weren't that much either. So you really didn't have anything good at the deadline to really move. You didn't have any good deals that you really liked. So it made sense for the Bulls to stay pat. I know people wanted them to make moves, me included. I definitely wanted them to make moves. I wanted this team to show a a change. But even with keeping this team pat, we've seen a change. You know, we've seen Pat Will improve his game. We've seen Kobe White improve his game. You know, we've seen DeMar become more of a leader and an on-court coach. You know, we've seen Zach in and out the lineup. But this team has been competing. So, you know, you can still see improvement even though this team needs to blow up. And I still do believe this team needs to blow up for sure. But... (laughs) This, I guess, wasn't the time to do it. I'm glad they didn't make any panic moves like sending Zach to Detroit for practically nothing mm-hmm. or sending Zach to the Lakers for damn near nothing. So I'm glad they didn't do anything. That's a good moment of the week. Uh, my prospects moment of the week is the fact that a article came out this morning on the Jets written by Zach Rosenblatt of The Athletic. He did a tremendous job. He 
gathered over 30 sources for this article to get behind the scenes on what's happening with the New York Jets. And I think it's a lot of finger pointing, a lot of people at the top not taking accountability. And after reading that article, it really makes me sad as a Jets fan that the season went like it went. Aaron Rodgers got injured on the very first drive of the game. Because we we never recovered from there. And Aaron Rodgers, as much as I love the idea of him playing for the Jets, which is with that as much as he's been in the news, Pat McAfee, he, he's been going viral for the wrong reasons. The control he's had on our roster, bringing in Alan Lazar, Randall Cobb, Billy Turner, Tim Boyle, Dalvin Cook, Nathaniel Hackett. It, it feels like this was a bad decision by the Jets to go get Aaron Rodgers because you look at the Green Bay Packers. We looked at Brian Gutenkiss as the villain there. Mm-hmm. The way that Aaron Rodgers was spinning his departure from Green Bay. They start over and Jordan Love takes a similar team to the playoffs and there is a newfound energy and life nice in the building. Matt LaFleur now can finally call the game how he wants to call it because all Nathaniel Hackett is for for Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, he's a puppet who's just going to adhere to whatever Aaron Rodgers wants to do. He has all the command at the line to change whatever he wants, and there's no discipline in New York. And he's come in New York, and he's ran this team to the point that a current AFC GM is saying that Joe Douglas is the assistant GM of the team. Robert Sala, once Rodgers went down, shifted expectations from the Super Bowl to a seven-win team. I think if we got some better quarterback play, we could have been maybe in the hunt to make the playoffs. Look at the Cleveland Browns. They brought in Joe Flacco, and they made the playoffs. The Jets Jets maybe could have won nine games had we actually found a solid quarterback option. And publicly, Robert Sala was removing blame from Zach Wilson, but privately, he was blaming Zach Wilson. And I feel like that was cowardice from Robert Sala because the reason why Zach Wilson was starting in the first place was because he decided to not go out and get a quarterback. He decided to not make any changes offensively with the play caller when Hackett was the worst play caller in the NFL last year. You look at the Jets' third down conversion rate, red zone conversion rate, it's all some of the worst offense in NFL history, and there was no change made. So for him to blame this 23, 24-year-old kid who has not gotten a good situation in the NFL, who they have failed to develop, who they drafted with the second overall pick, for him to be a head coach and blame it all on that guy when he's the reason why we didn't pivot and go get a new quarterback or a play caller, that falls on him. And it feels like we're going to have one more year of the Joe Douglas and Robert Sala regime. And I have no faith or hope that it's going to end any better or it's going to end well at the end of the day. It's tough being a Jets fan today. It's a tough day in New York. It's been tough for a decade. It's been tough for a decade is right. But what sucks is this time last year, I should say going into the season, there was so much hope for the Jets. You know, it felt like Robert Sala and Joe Douglas had turned a leaf for the culture. Mm-hmm. It felt like there was so much buy-in. The players were all all in on acquiring Aaron Rodgers from offensive players, defensive play, players, coaches. It felt like everyone was kind of on track for the first time in a while for the New York Jets. And this was a team that we saw this year. The defense was still lead as ever, shutting down top quarterbacks week in and week out. But yet again, 
one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And it's been one of the worst offenses in the NFL it's before Hackett. It's before Todd Bowles. This, this goes back for, for really over 10 years where this offense has not sniffed top 20 outside of one year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's an organizational issue more than anything that they, they can't figure offense out. They can't figure quarterback out. Part of that is on Woody Johnson, who, as the report mentioned, has been known to be on Twitter often, take criticism from fans, and relay that information to Robert Sala. I love Woody because he'll pay for anything. He doesn't care what the cost is on players. There's never been an issue with free agency or draft picks or anything like that. But the one issue he has had throughout his tenure with the New York Jets is middling or meddling Mm -hmm. when it comes to these kind of things in terms of making deals, talking with head coaches, seeing stuff online. This isn't the first thing we've heard uh, of of Woody Johnson having these issues. Going forward, I'm going to be as hopeful as I can, but I'm expecting the worst next season. The Jets need to make some overhaul-type changes on the offensive line and the wide receiver position. If they seriously want to compete, I think they need to bring in at least two receivers better than Alan Lazard because he did not look playable. He was getting benched at the end of last season. And the offensive line, there's not one position you feel confident about. Elijah Vera Tucker, when healthy, is phenomenal. It's been two years, two seasons and injuries. God willing, he's able to come back and be the player he is. But coming off a torn peck, then a torn Achilles, it's hard to count on him to be a stable piece for the next decade like we thought he would be. And then the rest of the line, you know, Lakin Tomlinson, you signed. He's going to have to be here for cap purposes, but he isn't good. Becton's a free agent. I should say... Joe Tittman, I think I feel pretty confident with him being the center for the next few years. He showed some really good things as a rookie. But this whole offense needs to be reinvented. And you're sticking with Nathaniel Hackett. And the fact that you're sticking with Nathaniel Hackett means you're not serious about winning a championship. Mm-hmm. The Jets aren't serious about winning the Super Bowl. They're going to say they are. They have Aaron Rodgers. That's going to be the talk. But you can't employ Nathaniel Hackett. No disrespect to Hackett. He's just not a play caller. He just shouldn't be an offensive coordinator, in my opinion, because we've seen year after year He's been a letdown. You know, when he was with Green Bay and when he was under Matt LaFleur and him and Aaron Rodgers were buddies, that's great. That's one thing when you have a relationship in that sense where he's kind of not an assistant coach, but a lower tier than offense coordinator. When he comes in, he's the top dog on the offensive side, and you have these reports saying that it was the least amount of film anyone has watched in their tenure in the NFL when Hackett was the offense coordinator. That's a real, real, real issue. So... It's one thing to be bad at your job, which heck it is. It's another thing to not try to improve at your job when you're not watching tape, when you're not trying to do adjustments. Keith Carter came in, our offensive line coach, when we were playing the Dallas Cowboys and said, could we get Dwayne Brown, who was our left tackle at the time, some help on Micah Parsons? We saw that game. Micah Parsons was destroying us. Hackett didn't do anything. He he said someone came up to him with a adjustment that they think damn near every other coach would make. Hackett said, no, I'm good. So we have Aaron Rodgers. Maybe we get to nine wins next season. The defense should still be great. But my expectation of Jets winning a Super Bowl, which was in my head coming into this past season, they're out the window. I feel so bad for y'all because it was just 10 months ago. We were sitting right here in this room. And when Aaron Rodgers announced (laughs) he was going to take his talents to New York, one of my biggest regrets is never getting the reaction video of you two. But the way that they jumped up in joy, it seemed like the Jets had won a Super Bowl. Just the mere act of Aaron Rodgers coming to New York. But not only has it been a nightmare, him taking three snaps before Terrence Achilles, but it truly is deja vu of 2008 with Brett Favre. At least we got, at least we got no, Brett no, no, Favre on not. the team. <laughs> Brett Favre you played Brett Favre 11 first. great games. We were right. eight and, three. and after you guys had an amazing start, your season tailed off pretty quickly. Right, but, That's we played so 11, 11 games for three plays, John. Three plays. 
what I'm getting at here is that it's not Deja there are <laughs> such high expectations. Yo. Yeah. What the bro. hell? I didn't think it'd be that loud. That wasn't. You didn't even <laughs> yeah. try to hide that, bro. Bro, sat up in the chair. He left. Oh because I didn't think God. it'd be that loud. My bad. My bad. Pardon. But it's even worse than last they, time. They might. <laughs> I think that the main issue for the Jets is that they always viewed Aaron as a larger-than-life figure that can kind of walk all over them. Uh, you point out they had 13 different offensive line combinations. You now place a 40-year-old Aaron behind that old line. Things may only look worse for him than it did his last year in Green Bay, where he's dealing with three yeah, different injuries and playing. Heard it. <laughs> so there was a the from this report, Zach Rosenblatt spoke to thirty sources, and the sources described the team riddled with excuse making, mm. a paranoid head coach, an ill-equipped offensive coordinator, and an organizational tunnel vision on the quarterback that rubbed some teammates wrong. Yeah, I mean, you guys are wasting an elite defense because of an offense that can't score or move with the football. Like, how many games did you watch the Jets last year where the defense holds an opponent to 14 points or less, but the offense cannot get a single first down? How many? Is five games? Four? Like, that's the thing with the Steelers I noticed, but with the Jets, it's two times worse. The only thing... Oh, sorry, you have more? That's it. The only thing I question is the players turning on Aaron Rodgers. That's the only thing in the article that... I feel like what I've seen from, because obviously I'm following a bunch of Jets players, Jets beat reporters. That's the only thing that surprised me a ton. I mean, obviously this is all surprising, but like you could convince me that Nathaniel Hackett wasn't taking suggestions. Like that does not surprise me one bit. But what they said in the offseason saw Garrett Wilson in terms of like if we had Aaron, everything would be different. The fact that the leaders of the team are still saying like we would have been great with him. Now, is there some situations like the Zach Wilson report saying that Zach was supposed to have a direct line of communication to Aaron, and he didn't. Can it be some of those situations individually with players? But I still am hopeful, and I hope this is the <laughs> case, that a majority of the team still believes in Aaron, still has a positive relationship with Aaron, because what we had seen in, in training camp and OTAs, and he was there and you know, in, in the, the spring OTAs in May after the draft, he was doing all of the extra stuff that he wasn't doing in Green Bay. I felt like he built a, built a really good reputation. He also won the most inspirational player award for the team too. So that's the only thing I question there. I, I hope Aaron's, you know, they got a good relationship with him. Prize picks moment of the week. Use code PA. Yes. For a 100% deposit match up to $100 link is in our bio. And also want to let you guys know the link for our website is in the bio as well. If you guys want to sign up for the mailing list for the merch drop on February 3rd. So go to the description and click on pick and the pop-up should pop up. You just keep refreshing or scroll up and down, and it should pop up, and you should enter your email. If it doesn't work the first time, just keep trying. It'll eventually pop up. Talking about some changes in the NFL, there have been seven new head coaching hires, Ooh. and we're going to rank these new head coaching hires and then talk about some of them a little bit in depth and how we feel about it. And then at the end, can give our take for which one we're most excited about. Number one, I think, is consensus. It's Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers. Yep, that's my number one. A plus. I mean, he brings everything. He's going to bring a good defensive staff. He's probably going to maximize the run game. When you think back to them choking that playoff leads because they didn't really activate or really maximize as much as they could. But he's also a culture changer. Like, the Chargers can win the division next year and be Ooh. better than the Chiefs. Oh. But the foundation that they have with the it quarterbacks starts. they have, they had themselves a coach that came into San Francisco. They won six games in 2010. The next three years went to the NFC Championship game, and they built one of the best front fours I've ever seen with Alan Smith, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, 
and a variety of other guys, guys like Eric Reed, who came in year one at safety and were pro bowlers. What Jim Harbaugh did, he had Vic Fangio as DC, is changed an entire organization and resurrected Alex Smith's career and gave him that foundation that he never had. So to consider the work he did in San Fran so quickly, I'm totally with you. I think next year the Chargers are the biggest dark horse, but there's actually actually some substance to it. They've got a great head coach, and they've got a top-five quarterback. Can they Sorry, got a buddy, the Chiefs are our dynasty of our era. It, it's just, hard. It's hard to convince me the Chiefs aren't winning that division. No, it's hard to convince after me a the Super Chargers Bowl run, run. After a Super Bowl run, it's hard to sustain that. They, when you've got a they've done it. They did it. Division. They've Twice. done it every year. <laughs> they've it, it becomes five times. Harder, <laughs> no, there is something to it. Becomes harder and harder the more, it does. And more you do it. But this I felt the, like this felt like the hardest it ever was, and it was like oh, I just well, feel like the Chargers still got some. They got some work on that team. Like they did get the coach. You're right. And I and I some cat It's the best move of the off season for them as in terms of coaching. But I still think they got some some holes to fill in that team. Five pick, and that's another thing you highlighted so well. When Pete Carroll came into Seattle after coaching for so long at USC, Seahawks drafted a lot better because they had that in-depth scouting. And for the Chargers, they are one draft away, along with the the foundation they have. If they get a healthy Josh Palmer, I don't know if Mike Williams will be back, but their offensive line is healthy. I mean, that's going to win twelve games next year. Number two, I don't know if it's going to be consensus. He just got hired today, Mike McDonald to the Seattle Seahawks. Mike McDonald is my number two. He's my number three, but I think he was a really good hire. He okay. wasn't my number two. Okay, who's your who's, number who's two? You guys two? It was it was Pierce becoming the like full time coach okay. for the Raiders. Okay, I, 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 I love the continuity, uh, the continuity with it. He was really good for them last year, and they won a couple games. There was in some dog fights, and I just like the fact that they were consistent with they've 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 seen the progression. You know, they've seen him be great with this team. The team vouched for him a ton, and they finally was just like you know they made the right decision and they brought in Pierce. So I like that move. Better and this one was three though for sure for me. And I like McDonald a lot. Um, I guess two and three is he three for you too? Yes. Okay, yeah. so we, we could just talk about it then. We're a um, absolutely. But I like this a lot. You know, McDonald a pretty quick rise up in the NFL ranks yeah. coming from Michigan. One year as DC, uh, or was he, was he there last year? This is the first year, right? Yeah, the first year at the Ravens. Um, one year with uh, with the Ravens as their DC, and then getting hired right away as the <laughs> uh, the Seattle Seahawks head coach. It felt like Seattle was the spot going from Pete Carroll to Mike McDonald. I'm always a fan of, of getting an offensive head coach, but if I were to go a defensive route, Mike McDonald would be the route I would go. He was given defenses fit throughout the season. It was, it was historically good defense for the Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. in, in multiple, aspect, multiple aspects. They led the league in turnovers and sacks, a lot of different areas. And then we saw this this past week. There, not in my lifetime, but a lot of times I've seen Mahomes basically shut down for three quarters, mm-hmm. right? And the week yeah. before, he went up against C.J. Stroud, who had been one of the hottest quarterbacks in the NFL, just smoked the Browns with the number one rated defense coming into the postseason and shut down that offense. They allowed three points. So the biggest question with McDonald is, who is he going to be bringing over for offensive coordinator and how are they going to build up that offense? They're kind of in a bit of a middle ground with Geno Smith, but that's what they wanted. They signed him to be that bridge quarterback for two, maybe three seasons. But overall, I think this is a home run hire for Seattle. He might bring over T. Martin. I was their quarterbacks coach this year, okay. but I was wrong. It was actually one year he spent at Michigan, the last two years at the Ravens. Okay, that's, yeah. what, that's what I thought, because their Raven, their defense was really good again last year. Yeah, the year before, too. Second half of the year. The yeah, work that's that he did this year was the most impressive of any defensive coordinator in football. I mean, Javanian Clowney, probably the best year of his career, yep. became the player he was always drafted to be. And then you look at the secondary, Kyle Hamilton's breakout in year two, Brand Stevens becoming a really damn good number uh, two cornerback. And then that was a big question for them, by the way, when they let go of Marcus Peters. The development of everybody in that defense. Uh, he is an elite defensive coach. I guess the question is just, 
like you said, like how do they find their quarterback of the future? He has to find. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant OC. I was gonna say yeah, he has well, to find his Ben Johnson. Well, yeah, I think that, uh, that I think Geno Smith is a good quarterback. I just will say that. Uh, I don't know. if Geno Smith is not a quarterback of the future. He's not a franchise quarterback. But I think you can win with Geno Smith. I think if you build around a, te- a team around Geno Smith, you can win. Mm. The offense has talent. We know that. Yeah. What held the Seahawks back this past season was defense, and that's why I feel like Mike McDonald was an A-plus hire because the Ravens have a lot of talent, but it was also a lot of players that were maximized under McDonald. Justin wow. Madabuke, Jadavion Clowney. Hanoi. Kyle Van Noy had a great season. Basically their everybody. cornerbacks. Wasn't you look at the Seahawks, one. they have defensive talent. That's why you look at their defensive ranking, you're shocked they're so low. Tariq Willen, Devon Witherspoon. Jordan Brooks is a free agent, but they should bring him back. He's one of the better linebackers in, in, in the league. Draymond Jones, Boye Mafe, who Boye Mafe was one of the league leaders in pass rush win rate last season. You have guys that are already really talented in that environment. Quandre Diggs has been a pro bowler before, probably cutting Jamal Adams, but you have Julian Love. So they have some talent on this defense. And I think the offense, granted that they have DK Metcalf and JSN, and they're relatively young, they don't need to put in too much resources into the weapons, into the offensive line, sure. But they have Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet at running back. So Mike McDonald, you have a couple drafts where you draft some good defensive players and you bring them to this talented unit. He already proved that he has one quarterback in that division's number who threw four interceptions to his defense. So I think yes. now that he's seeing him twice a year, it's probably going to make it, you know, easy pickums. I mean, he's looking, looking at his fingers like he just finished eating some Doritos or Cheetos. <laughs> so Mike McDonald, you know, he's already going in with a number on the best team in that division. So it's good. This he was our two. He was uh, your guys' three. My three is Dave Canales. That's my I, two. That was your two. Yeah, okay. Um, I love this hire. He is coming over from Seattle. He's been there. He was with Pete Carroll his last year at USC. Followed him to Seattle. He's been there since 2009, 2010, since mm. he was like 29 years old or something. And we've seen him with Geno Smith have a, re- a revitalization revitalization to his career. And then before that, you saw with Russell Wilson, once he left Denver, didn't get so pr- Excuse me, once he left Seattle, it wasn't so pretty. So getting an offensive mind, being able to pair him with Bryce Young, um, this is a home run hire for for the, the Panthers. And out of all the offensive coaches available since Ben Johnson wasn't available at the end of the day. I think Dave Canales was probably the best one out there. Thinking of Harbaugh as kind of a CEO type. He's honestly offense and defense. He, he does it all culturally. Um, but just offensive-minded head coaches, I love Dave Canales to the Panthers. What he's done with quarterbacks last two years is some of the most impressive stuff we've ever seen. Like, Baker was a broken quarterback when he got to Tampa Bay, and he helped him have a second-best season. But a big thing with Baker is because of the injuries, he didn't really trust himself in the pocket. He was looking at the rush. And the year before, we saw Geno Smith have an amazing season, and then he leaves, Canales leaves, and Geno starts to slightly regress. It seems like everywhere he's been, he's maximized quarterbacks. And for Bryce Young, what he needed last year was a run game and elite wide receiver, but Canales showed he can have a viable offense without the run game. So if the Panthers can just get T. Higgins, one wide receiver for agency, that could be a decent offense, like one that's not putting up 13 points per game. So I thought that was an A hire, truly. I think Dave Canales was an A hire. He's number four for me. Mm. Raheem Morris is number three. Wow. I love Raheem Morris okay. to Atlanta. The Falcons have a top 10 defense right now. Last year they were top 10 in success rate, both against the pass and the run. Raheem Morris had a stint in Tampa Bay, and he was 10 and 7, or t- no, 10 and 6 as a coach. 
and that was Josh Freeman's best year as a quarterback, but the defense that year was the most impressive. He's worked a lot of jobs throughout the years, most notably now with Sean McVay being the defensive coordinator. What the Rams did defensively this past season, given the talent they had, I thought he maximized them. So I think going to Atlanta, the defense should still be a phenomenal unit. But I love bringing in Zach Robinson, the offensive coordinator from the Rams, and he brought him with him to now be the OC for the Falcons. The Falcons have talent. They're just a quarterback away. Will they use the eighth overall pick on a quarterback? Will they bring in a veteran like Kirk Cousins or somebody else, maybe lure Baker Mayfield away from Tampa Bay now that Dave Canales isn't in Tampa Bay? Because Baker Mayfield worked with Zach Robinson when he went to the Rams for that short time for half a season. So I think Raheem Morris, head coach, and then OC Zach Robinson, that combination sold me. I love Dave Canales to the Panthers. And the uh, the Panthers just made Brant Tillis the operations manager of their football team. And he's some Brant Tillis was the assistant to Brett Veach in Kansas City. So you're bringing in somebody from KC who's built a dominant roster, who's built, you know, one of the dynasties of our era. Maybe the Panthers turn around. You know, I'm not denying it, but right now where they are, they just lack so much talent that I think for he Morris for the Falcons, there's probably more upside short term in that. That's true. The Panthers are like two drafts away. They are. And they have some cap space, but not a ton. They have like thirty million. So it's not they don't like have their first round much. pick this year. Correct. Yeah, that that'd be useful if they had that. Number one overall pick. So my top four <laughs> is Harbaugh, McDonald, Raheem Morris, and Dave Canales. You had Antonio Pierce number two. Yes, I had Harbaugh, Pierce two, and McDonald a three. I have Callahan at four to Tennessee. I thought um the fact that he worked with so many quarterbacks and then being able to work with Will Levis, I feel like the fact that the Titans are prioritizing their quarterback for the future and whether he may not be, he may be the future or not in a division where you got CJ AR and you got Trevor Lawrence, you need to maximize what you can from Will. And I think Brian can do that. And then I had five, I had um, Dave to the Panthers. You know, I think, and I think all these moves are great. I don't want to, you know, have the ranking be a one is better than the other. I think all these moves are great, but I had Morris at six. Morris is probably the only one I don't know too much about. That's why I had him at six at the lowest. I have Raheem Morris at four. The question is just whether or not Zach Robinson is a good play caller. Mm-hmm. He's never called plays before. Yeah. He's only been a coach for four years. If Robinson is not a good play caller, I'm like, why do you go with the defensive coach? I think the Falcons saw the way things went with Arthur Smith, who was an up-and-coming offensive mind, and it didn't work due to his usage. He just wasn't meant to be a head coach, and that turned them off from maybe going with an offensive mind. And while I think Raheem Morris is a good leader, and he's done a very good job as a D.C., the Falcons' number one thing is developing a quarterback. And so that's going to be key, and that's going to determine whether or not it's a good hire, you know, whether or not Zach Robinson's the guy for them. Um, Raheem Morris, I forgot about this stint, but in 2020, the Atlanta Falcons under Dan Quinn went 0-5. Mm. And then he was fired, and Raheem Morris went 4-7 and with that team. Mm-hmm. And from what I remember, that team was very underwhelming talent-wise. And Raheem Morris, kind of like Antonio Pierce back then, like Antonio Pierce now with the Raiders, he had a chance to become their full-time head coach because I thought he actually did a pretty good job with the Falcons, and they didn't hire him. They hired Arthur Smith, and now he goes to the Rams and he improves his resume, and now he's the Falcons' head coach. So this kind of like a full-circle moment for him. I like Antonio Pierce a lot with the Raiders. I think it's just very tough to judge that move mm. because of how tough the AFC West is. Yeah. 
and how much tougher it got with Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. Because now you have Andy Reid, Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payne, and then Antonio Pierce in the division. I'm not going to count out Antonio Pierce, but it it does feel like the Raiders are are missing a lot of talent to compete with those teams. Mm -hmm. And they don't have a quarterback. They have to to figure out the quarterback position, too. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're all over the place in terms of who's gone and what numbers we're at. So I'm at at my top four. I just said my fifth. Antonio Pierce is my fifth. Okay, so my top four was Jim Harbaugh, Mike McDonald, Dave Canales. My fourth would be Antonio Pierce. Mm -hmm. I like the continuity, like Riv mentioned. The players wanted him. Uh, you know, the Raiders have made mistake, mistakes in the past uh, with Rich Versace a couple years ago. The players want him as head coach. Front office went a different way with Josh McDaniels. We know how that ended up. So Antonio, Antonio Pierce demands respect in the locker room. You know, players coach. Of course, he's a former player with the New York Giants. Seems like a good hire. But again, there is a lack of talent on this Raiders team. And he'll really need a coach's ass off to be competitive in this division. Not having a quarterback is going to be is going to be tough to overcome. And even on Outside of quarterback, there's holes in a lot of places for the Raiders. And then at five, this is where I have Raheem Morris. I do think they got a bit turned off with the offensive coaching hire. We see teams right. do this all the time. Mm-hmm. You get a defensive guy, then an offensive guy go back and forth yeah. till the end of time. But it was their defense. Excuse me, there's an offense that was their problem. I know they had an yeah. offensive mind yeah. at head coach, and it was still the problem. The defense was really good. You know, I think for especially the personnel they had, not a lot of superstar like names that you're going to have multiple all pros. And they ended up being, you know, top 10 in, in, in most categories when it comes to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So bringing in Raheem Morris, I think it's a safe pick. I don't think he's going to screw it up. And this division's really winnable, so I respect that. But they have to figure out quarterback. And if you need to either draft a quarterback or implement a new system, I would prefer an offensive mind. Um, so that's why I have him a bit lower than the other guys. Mm. I felt similarly with Antonio Pierce or Raheem Morris. I have Pierce right below him at five. And you pointed out before, the Raiders are in a very tough spot. They had the 13th overall pick. It's not like they get top-end quarterback prospect. And how to measure whether or not he's the right coach them is the culture that he builds. Because Josh McDaniels and John Gruden really did make it worse mm-hmm. in their time. And it felt like every time the Raiders did make some visceral progress, they took a huge step back with the wrong coaching hire. Um, but that's the biggest thing that they're missing, a leader of men. You know, Max Crosby is saying, I'm going to request a trade if this guy's not our head coach. And Devontae Adams and many other stars – not like Josh McDaniels because he's not a likable personality. Um, Pierce is going to be a good hire. It's just much like Raheem Morris going to come down the staff that he actually builds. Um, but I have some faith in him being the right guy uh, for me at number five. Does everybody have Gerard Mayo at last? Yeah. Yes. I do have Gerard Mayo. And the reason why is yeah. I think we're all less familiar with him. 100%. But he's been groomed to be the Patriots successor for some years now. That it, frightens me. It, it gives me very much Steelers vibes of the past yeah. where – in-house we're not going to look at anything else we play we do it this is this is how we're going to do it this is how it's the patriot way he might be a great head coach i don't know i might look like a fool in 10 years when he's the successor to bill belichick and they go and win multiple super bowls (laughs) um but i would have liked just to peek on the offensive side of the ball peek at some other options outside of the the building um bob gerard mayor seventh which means brian callahan i have a sixth Mm -hmm. yeah same my my order is the same i have callahan at six mayo at seven ask you a question did callahan call plays in the Bengals? do we know no he didn't he he, spoke very highly of him that's i mean but flores spoke highly brian callahan was somebody that handled red zone offense he handled pressure uh so blitz pickups and just pressure packages Mm -hmm. and he handled those on game day He's worked with Payne Manning. Stafford. He worked with Tim Tebow before that. He helped Mm -hmm. develop that Wildcat College offense that helped Tebow succeed. Mm -hmm. So just from what Bill Cal I mean Brian Callahan has done, 
he's been adaptable, you know, with the Broncos and Tebow mm-hmm. going from the Bengals in 2022, I believe it was, when they shifted their entire offensive philosophy. Yeah. You know, he's been a part of some adaptable coaching staff, so I think he'll do the Browning. things necessary. Yeah, it, that's true. it feels like the Titans are similar to the Raiders where all the other teams feel a step ahead of you. Mm. A couple of them, a couple of steps ahead of you. They all have franchise quarterbacks. I feel more confident in the other head coaches than I do in, in Brian Callahan, but he could prove me wrong. It's just not having coaching experience or play calling experience and you have the worst team in the division. Yeah. You know, it's a lot to overcome. And I'm a little bit worried. It seems like they're going to be dropped back heavy with the Levis is letting them rip. Their offense line is abysmal, and they don't have much receiver talent. So I worry about like the philosophy they're going to build and their actual personnel not being ready for. They might have the worst offensive skill group in the league when it's all said and done. Yeah, altogether. How much you want to bet that Toddler Boyd's going to the Titans? I would not care. (laughs) I could see it. He's a free agent. He's a trader. He talks a lot of shit about Pittsburgh. Toddler Boyd goes to the Titans, and I think that they're going to draft the offensive line with their first round pick. Yeah, you have Peter Skaronsky, you know, who was good for them. So. If you no can draft somebody else on that left side, so Skaronsky's the left guard, you have somebody be the left tackle, maybe Joe Alt is the pick. You know, I think they could definitely rebuild their offensive line faster than, than we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the resources to... It's a Callahan. He should know offensive line. Mm-hmm. And you have Hopkins. You bring in Tyler Boyd. You give Will Levis, Hopkins, Drew's Tyler Boyd. Burks, I feel like it could I, be that's good. Dose. You are too. That's me. That's me. Yeah. Okay. He's the biggest Traylon. Well, no, I'm, I'm the Traylon fan. Drew's the JMO right. fan. No, I got you. When we're having the Tannehill debate, he was mentioning Trey Lana as like a part of the supporting cast. Oh, I wish um, he was part of the supporting. Did he mention Shige? <laughs> I thought I'm he was going to have a, the, the, gonna have a breakout year this year. Too. I'm yeah, ready for the Tajay Spears breakout. That's what I'm yeah, ready I mean, for. I mean, Derrick Henry's a free agent, so. Andrew actually messaged in the chat. He said, "Shout out to my guys for holding it down while I'm gone. Love y'all." With the Drew, bro's on his date right now. Still in the pod. Dedicated. But I don't know about you guys. I only gave out two A's because I love the philosophy and just. Oh, I didn't do grades. I just did okay, ranking. Got you. But the only ones I feel very great about are Canales. Even then, I think he's in a terrible spot. And Harbaugh. Everything else to me was a B, C, or a D. You had McDonald's a B? B plus. Yeah. Santos sent a super chat. Team RJ1. I saw on your Twitter, West uh-huh. cooking us. East, it's like 52-48 us. It'd be very like you to cook in the East and shit the bet in the West. You know, I think <laughs> what's lost when we're making these teams is that it's not just about what's Best and most talented. It's you know game. what it is, John? Still, but oh, shit, never mind. I can't remember that What I was gonna say, we didn't know, but it was the other teams. The other <laughs> league. It was uh, the West that we we knew and we fucked up. Um, <laughs> yeah, you fucked up. We didn't know, but our team was the worst practice, not theory. John, I'll be honest. This all star game. It's about talent. Fuck all that extra shit you're talking about. Well, we're trying to build a team to beat you. You couldn't see. You're trying to build a team to beat us. We're trying to build a team to win. That's that's what it is. That's the difference. What? You're trying to catch up. To, you're trying to build a team to beat us. No, we're building. We're trying a team to build a team to win the by. game. That's what it is. No well, matter who we the play. Matchups. You're not gonna have much of a shot against Chet and Lori Mark. We literally but, have Wemby and AD. We're so fine we're in that department. And we've got Deion and book attacking. You have who? We're gonna Missoula ball. Deion book. Think so? That's a great point. Missoula. We're gonna box in one Steph or don't worry about it. Now score you. Steph's had a slight decline this year. He's back. Three games. Devin Booker's locking him up. Slight decline. Devin Booker's locking who up? Well, he doesn't decline against Fox. I'll tell you that. Well, never. Booty Liquor 2000 what? wrote, Riv, I thought the mic was tweaking. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You went crazy. Yeah, that shit was kind of loud. I'll be honest. So, on to NFL free agents. I feel like this is going to be interesting. There are a lot of great NFL free agents, so we're not going to talk about every not single four. one. Okay. But who are your top ones, and where do you think that they should go? Where would you like to see them go? 
okay, wait, I didn't do three. The four guys I have are good names, maybe under the radar, probably a lot. There's some good names, though. I think the top three guys that I saw in, that could be free agents were Chris Jones, Josh uh, Allen, the the uh, edge, and it was somebody else. I literally forgot his name. Justin Matabuke, T. Higgins, Kirk Brian Cousins, Burns, Kirk. Jaylen Glad you Johnson. said one of those names because I had one of those names. It was Kirk Smoking. Cousins. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, so the, the four guys I got, I'm, I'm going to go. The first guy, T. Higgins. I think T. Higgins should go to either Chicago or the Panthers. I think Carolina, because they obviously need a number one. They just need anything. And uh, I know Dells, he sent this uh, open rate, and Adam Thielen was dead up there. He was, he was balling. But I think he needs that. And for Chicago, I think they need something outside of DJ Moore. I think Cole is cool. you know. But I do think with a little bit of cap they have this year, and whoever they have at quarterback, whether it be Caleb most likely or Justin Fields, you're still going to need more weapons. And you may not have another pick that can get Marvin Harrison Jr. So why not bring in T. Higgins? And then my next guys is Wilkins and Justin Matabuki. Is that how you yeah, say his okay. last name? Okay. I'm going to Detroit. You know, I think Detroit has an, a lot of cap, and I think they 16. need to go insane on the defense. And why not bring in two guys that can get to the quarterback, that can get you, that, uh, rush the quarterback, you know, guys that are on that defensive line that can help Aiden Hutchinson. You could, of mm-hmm. course, build up the secondary, but I think you can do that in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. But you got a lot of cap. Why not try for either one or both of those guys? You know, Justin had a great year. Wilkins is really good. And then my last guy is uh, another player on Chicago. I kind of was a little biased here. I think Bryce Huff to Chicago. I think he would be an underrated player. You know, I think their defense made a jump, and it was it's not mainly on Montez Sweat, but when Sweat got there, they had some help. They turned the defense. They possibly might keep Jalen Johnson. You know, the secondary was solid. Um, Dexter was a good rookie last year. Why not bring in an underrated guy in Bryce Huff to help off that pass rush and make that defense even better? So those are my four guys. I'm with it. I like those. Um, I think we should get the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson some more help. Mm. Oh, really? More than what he had? I know what you're thinking. I think he needs everything. Listen, if the game plan is going to be draw back and, and beat the Chiefs DBs, yeah, he needs more help than just Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham River. Um, <sighs> sounds like can't do it, man. It sounds, that's what it sounds to me. Do not know you're a Lamar hater. Yeah, right. Honestly, I thought I thought better of you. Yeah, but yeah. I think they could go two ways because they need help at wide receiver. They need help at running back. I am tired of seeing Gus Edwards and Justice Hill out there every single year because J.K. Dobbins can't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible to go into this season trusting J.K. Dobbins after torn ACL, then torn Achilles. It's such a shame because right. his rookie year was special. He looked like he was going to be one of the most dominant backs in the NFL, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, we'll just never be able to see it. So Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry, I think one of them should go to Baltimore. They haven't had a real workhorse running back since – Mark Ingram days, and even mm-hmm. still, Mark Ingram was kind of on the back of his career there. Um, after he left Baltimore, he was never the same running back he was in Baltimore. He was still pretty efficient there. So I think getting a legit number one running back to be to pair with Lamar Jackson, so you could take some wear and tear off his body too. You don't have to design so many quarterback runs. And then I think they could really use a big body wide receiver. There's two available. I'd be oh, well, there's three available. I would still be surprised if they become on the open market. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, and Mike Evans. I think all of these three guys do end up returning to their teams. I think they're too valuable to their teams. But if one of them could go to Baltimore, and we finally get Lamar, a true number one, you have Zay Flowers as a two, Mark Andrews as your tight ends, and Derrick Henry or Saquon sign a cute little two-year contract in Baltimore. Now now we could talk about going up against Kansas City and being that defense. I like that quite a bit. Kobe White had 35, uh, 9-7. It makes me feel good about that pick over DW. Just wanted to bring that up there. So... A couple of guys that I'm looking at, uh, one's Derrick Henry. I would love to see Henry reunited 
with a former assistant, one that didn't fully maximize him in Matt LaFleur. I think he'd be a huge upgrade over A.J. Dillon, the perfect thunder to Aaron Jones' lightning, if you will. Um, Another one that I need to see is T. Higgins in Carolina. He may not be the best after the catch, or at least the route runner. I need to see a (laughs) high-level number one wide receiver, or at least a number one wide receiver for Bryce Young. Because Bryce is really underrated right now, given the rookie season he had, but a large part of that is that he had really only one person to throw to. T. Higgins we maximize to get more of a target share, and I think with Canales, they would definitely get the most out of everybody. Um, the next one to me would be Justin Matabuke to Houston so for D'Amico Ryans. What are you saying? I'm trying to figure out why does he have so many free Me? Yes, I have, are you talking about Joel or me? Yeah, Joel. Okay, How many I've you got have? four. He has like 12, bro. Justin Matabuke to Houston for D'Amico Ryans in the interior defensive line. We saw the work they do with their edge rushers. That would make this Houston defense not just really good, but truly elite next year. And the last one to me is Kevin Dotson. This is a soft spot because... Coming home? Kevin Dotson. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. <laughs> the Steelers traded Kevin Dotson to the Rams for a day three pick, and he went on to become one of the best <laughs> run-blocking guards in all it's football. Amazing. The moment he was actually playing in position, which the Steelers don't like to do with their offensive linemen. I need to see Kevin Dotson on a really good team. And I'm going to put Kevin Dotson on <laughs> the Chicago Bears <laughs> for Justin go. Fields. Justin He's going to be a part of their or, – or Drake May or Caleb Williams. Their offensive line ain't too bad, Shabby. At guard, and we're going to maximize – I think Tevin Jenkins on left guard, but I could be wrong. I'm about to double check. I'm putting Kevin Dotson on that Bears team to elevate the run game even more. Listen, I'm a coward. Um – T. Higgins is staying in Cincinnati, by the way. They they will not let him Dude's go. You're praying on it. He will not leave Cincinnati. T. They Higgins is staying. They can't keep T. Higgins and then build out their offensive line at the same time and also prepare for the Jamar Chase extension and Joe Burrow no longer being on a road. Well, field. listen, the thing about that, John, so. is that you look at the offensive lineman and free agency, there's really not much to ride home about when it comes to who the Bengals can get. Tyron Smith is the blue chip one, but you can't count on him to be healthy. And, and that's why I, I would really be hesitant if I was the Bengals. I'd probably just build up the offensive line through the draft. These are players that I think will switch teams, and these are just the guesses for them. First one up, you mentioned running backs, Dell, Saquon Barkley, and Derrick Henry. My first one, Tony Pollard, and I got Tony Pollard going to the Eagles. Mm. Uh, reunited with Kellen Moore. I, I think okay. last year DeAndre Swift had a Pro Bowl-level year, and he's not half the running back that Tony Pollard is. Tony Pollard's a better pass catcher. He has better vision. I think in Philadelphia, behind that offensive line, it can give them that balance that they lacked last season, and they can run the ball consistently. I would still like to see a workhorse next to Tony Pollard, you know, because I don't, I don't think that he's the best in between the tackles. But Tony Pollard to the Eagles reuniting with Kellen Moore, I love that a lot. Calvin Ridley's value is at the lowest it's ever going to be. He just had a 1,000 yards receiving, but it felt like empty calories. I think the Chiefs can get him for a bargain. A a team that is paying their quarterback so much money that has to build their team through the draft now, they have to find these bargain guys. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can add Calvin Ridley to the Chiefs with Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, you now make their offense more explosive than it's been in the last two years. And I think with the year... Of coming back to the game of football, he'll be even better next year. And it can be maybe a one-year prove-it deal for Ridley in KC, kind of like it was for Juju Smith-Schuster. My next one is for the Detroit Lions. Aiden Hutchinson is a superstar, but they need somebody opposite of him to be dominant. And I think that could be Bryce Huff. 
Mm. Bryce Huff to the Detroit Lions. The Lions have a lot of cap space. If you can have an edge rushing duo of Bryce Huff and Aiden Hutchinson with Aleem McNeil on the interior of that defensive line, man, I think they get so much better as a team. I was thinking about Legereus need to the Lions, but oh my God. I think Legereus need to me feels more like a Minnesota Viking. Someone that could play under Brian Flores is a physical corner. He's going to be left on islands because Flores blitzes a lot. I feel like that's a perfect scheme fit for Legereus need. And then my last one is Levante David to the Green Bay Packers. The Packers need a field general at linebacker. You know, Devondre Campbell had that one great season and fell off. Quay Walker is up and coming. But I think if they can have a legit inside linebacker to be the field general of that defense, it will help them out tremendously. And Levante David still playing at an all-pro level. So those are my guys. Mm. A lot of good free agents. Is there a real chance the Chiefs are losing the Jarius? I'm looking at their cap space. They need a, Chris Jones is also a free agent. Yeah. So the Jarius is not guys. staying. He's they, not yeah, staying. They would have to make a decision. That is hard. That's top three cornerback in football. He's been great. Yeah, I, I, I also like the Lions uh, for the Jarius need. Or Jalen Johnson. Mm. You know, I think they could definitely Relax use there, some, some DB help. Uh, Bears got money. Maybe if you're feeling a little spiteful, he didn't extend me. I'll go division we'll rival. Huh? We'll go get Sneed there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could pay for him. That's for sure. The but top th- sorry. No, good. The top three teams in cap space are all really boring. It's the Commanders with 80 million, the Titans with 70 million, and the Patriots with 70 million. How much million. do the Eagles have? 40? 30? They're at the bottom of this list. Does really? Kirk Cousins go back to Washington? Oh, wait, no. <laughs> We're, we have a good amount of cap. I don't see them, brother. I feel like the Kirk Cousins question is is, is a bigger question than it than people are so asking got 20 right now. Twenty mil that ranks twentieth. So we can make a eighteenth. Eighteenth. We can make that. We yeah. Can, the thing with the NFL cap space, you could just yeah. You can it's yeah. It's can we go get money. a corner? I mean, you could ask the Saints. That's why they're negative eighty million in cap yeah. space right now. You that can was, make anything yeah. happen. That's true. Free up ten more. Go get Snead. That'd be, that'd be tough. Helps. There's a lot of corners. You have Snead, Jalen Johnson, Odorier Jackson. Either one's cool with me. Kendall Fuller, Kenny Moore, Stephon Gilmore, who kind of is the shell of himself, oh, but Josh still a solid, a solid a corner. Kirk Cousins, where do you think he might go? Do you think he stays in Minnesota? That's he, number one. He feels like a Viking to me. I, there was a report that came out that said he basically wants a two-year fully guaranteed contract. I think Minnesota would go for that, too. They don't, they don't have a succession plan. There's no one on the roster in place to be able to take over Kirk Cousins, and... When he was healthy, this team was, right before he got injured, they were hot, right? They had won four or five games in a row, I want to say. They beat the Niners. They beat the Niners. Yeah, they were really finding their groove. We know Kevin O'Connell's a great coach. They got cheated in the Chiefs game. The Chiefs game? Yeah. Remind me what happened. Vikings. A lot of flags that didn't Man, really, you're telling uh, me the Vikings really would have been contenders, man, if they stayed A lot of flags that went the Chiefs way, uh, you know? What, what else? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you also have Brian Flores on the defensive side. So you have your head coach with the offense, D.C. for the defense. I think both, you know. Dude at a pretty high high level too. Yeah, I mean coming out, coming off a torn Achilles at thirty five, he needs to have you know strong protection at tackle, and the Vikings have that. Justin Jefferson missed half of last year, but getting that second year Jordan Addison and a third with Kevin O'Connell is going to be pretty huge. Really, there's no other suitor. I mean, I was Atlanta ask, would be is the there one. any other place Kirk Cousins would go? Maybe Atlanta, but their pass protection's worse. The defense is probably eh, same level. Um, Commanders have a new. Ownership. Vikings they offense. Do. I don't know why so he's not the play same. Washington. I don't think, I don't think there's many situations where like, you have yes, Jettas, Addison, I think as long TJ. as Minnesota's contract yeah. is fair, sure. he's not going to ask yeah. for you know $200 million, nothing crazy. Like As long as the contract's fair, I think he's Kirk feels Minnesota. like a Viking, too. I love him yeah. in Minnesota. I, his family's there. Exactly. Like not just a family dude. Family. Yeah. And Washington, they may have gotten new ownership, but that offensive line has killed many other quarterbacks in the past. You know, it could be very similar with an older quarterback. And they have the number two pick, so I don't know why we're talking exactly. about this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. about that. 
the last thing we'll talk about on this show is that Ben Johnson is returning yeah. to the Lions. Dope. The Lions are going to be a great team once again, but I, I do think that we're kind of underrating how great this division might be because the Lions now have to worry about the Vikings with the healthy Kirk Cousins with another draft or some added free agents on that defense that overperformed given the talent they had. Jordan Addison's only getting better. Justin Jefferson is one of the top receivers in the league. They can maybe find a running back to finally give them a consistent rush attack. And then the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love proved that he's a franchise quarterback. You just fired Joe Barry. Maybe somebody steps up that they have right now at wide receiver or they bring somebody in. Who knows? But this division is tough, and you can't count out the Bears because they're going to have the first overall pick, and they're going to – yeah, and they're going to draft the quarterback. And last year they kind of, you know, made a surge. That's why when Dan Campbell said it's going to be twice as hard to make it back to this point next year, he wasn't wrong. I mean, the Vikings were going to be on track to compete the entire year until their quarterback and wide receiver went down. And you make a great point. I mean, the only way the Lions can really build off last year is by retaining. And I want to shout out Drew for predicting this. Ben Johnson returns, and none of us really expected. I thought it was like an 80% chance he leaves. But it's kind of a move that makes a lot of sense for him. Like, would you want to uproot your family into Washington, D.C. to play for an organization that doesn't really have many building blocks outside of two defensive players and Terry McLaurin? Uh, staying in Detroit, he now becomes an even more appealing candidate next year's cycle. And he's just gaining leverage by staying here in Detroit because you have an offense that you've turned from a bottom five to a top five offense the last two years. And with what he has created with their tight ends and their running backs and their offensive line, it's a perfect situation from a leadership and personnel perspective. And the Lions do have a bit of unfinished business here. In this division, it's not going to get any easier next year. But in the postseason, they can build off of this year. And I ultimately think Ben Johnson looks at the leverage he has as a top offense in mind. He's like, why would I be in a rush to go to Washington? If anything, he's going to be so desirable. If the Lions in the next two years underperform with Super Bowl expectations, he may be looking at this job thinking to himself, maybe if they want to take a leap of faith, I can become the head coach in two years if we mm. don't get back to this point. Plot and Doc Rivers-esque. I guess you could say Doc Rivers-esque, Jeez. but it's a great situation. And because of some of the media backlash Dan Campbell's got, it maybe exacerbates the theory that he would be moved on from because he would have to miss a playoffs next two years to be fired. But if I'm Ben Johnson, I'm looking at this line job thinking to myself, why not stay here for another two more years and see... From there, if I can kind of become the succession plan. And they got cap space. They yeah. got a lot of it. I'm excited about this division. I think every team, for the most part, has a young future. You know, I think outside of maybe Detroit because of their quarterback. But even then, Goff is an old. You know, he's about 28, 29 years old. You got young talent across the board. You got cap space. You know, you got a draft that you can keep building. They win Green Bay. You know, you got – that's one. that was the youngest – Playoff team ever, if I'm not mistaken, but definitely one of the youngest teams in the league. You got Chicago, they're an extremely young team. Like this division won games. You know, I think Minnesota and the uh, Bears won seven, eight games. Yeah, you know, the Vikings outside of Kirk, you got young talent on the offensive end, young talent on the defensive end. It's really about for Detroit landing that big, big time player. You know, maybe a Josh Allen, Daniel Hunter might be a free agent, you know, a LeJerry Sneed. Like one of those guys, maybe even two. You know, they got a, a ton of cap. Yeah, they, they got a ton of cap. You know, they got a draft that they can continue to build off. I feel like you have your offense set. You know, I think you got Amon Ra. Maybe you can get one more guy, but you got Reynolds. I, like I said, I like Jamison Williams. You got the two running backs. It's really about continuing to build that defense, you know, and he said, like when Dan said, we, we might not do it again, it, it's a good point because you've just seen the Eagles. You know, you've seen the Eagles come back this year after come off a of Super Bowl and they were first-round exit. So, you know, that, that could potentially happen in the NFC. We've only really seen, 
you know, um, the Niners consistently get to the NFC Championship. Then, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he made it to the second round and so so far and so on. So I think Detroit, if they make the proper moves in free agency, you know, if they continue to build this team the right way, the smart way, not spend money on crazy guys, and if they come in and they keep performing, I don't see why they can't you know, win this division and continue to be at the top of the race. But you always got to look out for those teams like the Niners, like the Cowboys, the Eagles, and, you know, even the Rams, you know, they they made a later uh, boost. And then Green Bay, you know, in your own division. But I think Detroit's in a perfect spot. Ben Johnson probably looked at this and was like, I could be a part of a dynasty. You know, I could be a part of a team that can compete for a, a long time in this division. I could be a part of a team that can bring the first Super Bowl to Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. They don't have one. Yeah, they don't have they one. They don't have one. So you could bring the first Super Bowl to Detroit. And you can be a part of a high-powered offense that you've practically built. So I think, like you mentioned, Dells, he, uh, I said Dells, like you mentioned, John, he might be there for two or three more two years. And maybe, yeah, sorry, oh, you guys look alike. And then, um, you know, wait for Dan to get out of there and take the opening yeah. job. But I think he's seen something in this team. I think he wants to be part of it. And I'm excited that he stays. The world is not ready for the Lions-Bengals Super Bowl next year. What? Yeah, we're not. It's not happening. <laughs> okay. I have a real question. Who's played a larger role in the Lions' turnaround, Dan Campbell or Ben Johnson? Fuck. No, sorry. I thought Say I mixed again? up the names. Yeah, you said it right. Yeah, no, you I, yeah, you said it right. I thought I mixed up their last names. No. Who's played a larger role in the Lions' Dan turnaround? Dan Johnson or Ben Campbell? Ben Johnson or Dan Campbell? That's what you thought. It's you been said. Ben Johnson. Dan Campbell did hire Ben Johnson. Just kind of got to say that. You're right. But he was really a promotion from the Matt Patricia staff. Was Ben Johnson not brought over with Campbell? No. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm uh, Ben Johnson was already there at Patricia. Okay, my apologies. But just in a vacuum, who's played a larger role, irregardless of whether or not he promoted him in their turnaround? I mean, Campbell has turned around their culture. He's the yeah. one that instilled what they currently are. Their identity is because of Dan Campbell. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about the X's and O's, that's been Ben Johnson all the way. Ben Johnson is the reason why their offense is top 10 in the league. It's been top, top five. In yards and points. Yeah, both. It, it's he's the reason why. You know, he's the reason why Jared Goff has matured and become an even better quarterback. So I would go Ben Johnson. I think he's played more of a role. That's a good question because it's you could have the same conversation last year with Sirianni and Shane Steichen. Yeah. And if you would have said Shane Steichen, you probably would have been right because the yeah. way the Eagles are looking right now isn't great. I don't think Ben Johnson going back to Detroit can be understated enough. Like this, I don't want to overreact, but it feels like franchise-altering type of move <laughs> mm-hmm. because this was just two days ago. We were up here saying – you know what, man? This this feels like a lot like the Eagles of last year. It feels like the Dan Quinn, Kyle Shanahan era. We were just going through, you know, all of these teams who had a nine a non offensive minded head coach lose their top offensive guy, and then it all fell apart. It never got back to those those mountaintops again. But Ben Johnson coming back, I'm still curious which side it comes from because on one end you had reports a couple weeks ago saying that Ben Johnson's more or less a lock to get the commander's job, mm-hmm. right? As long as he wants it. And then once it re- got reported that he was going back to Detroit, Adam Schefter said he was never highly as highly regarded as the public thought or mm-hmm. the public perceived. So whether that means he wasn't a great interviewer, which we've seen with Eric Bieniemy in the past or per sources, um, or he wanted to just go back to Detroit because he had quote-unquote unfinished business or the money wasn't right, there's a lot of deciding factors there. But this is two years in a row because last year he was also getting some head coaching interviews whether he passed those up or didn't get the job, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but he was getting at least interviews there. So 
it's a great opportunity for Detroit to build on what they did this year. They should still be in the Super Bowl-type conversation going into next season with cap space, with some more draft picks. And you're going to have a potent offense again. You know, having Amon Ra, J-Mo another year, Gibbs in year two could legitimately be a top three running back in the league. Mm-hmm. Lions fans could, I think they could take a deep breath. It was a tough L to take. Yeah. It's the opposite of the Ravens. The Ravens took the tough L. They lost their top coordinator. Detroit, at least you cop you kept your top dude, so the offense should be great again. Next closest thing to go in the Super Bowl is this. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, and they're not far off and they have the assets to get even better. They have uh two offensive line free agents, Graham Glasgow and um Jonah Jackson. Those are guys that maybe Jonah Jackson walks, he was kinda underwhelming this past season. And offensively, you know, Amon Ra, LaPorter are centerpieces, so is Gibbs. They're going to be able to run the ball. We'll see if Jamison Williams can improve on the flashes that he showed. But defense is where I really think they can make the biggest turnaround. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they can sign a lockdown corner, because they got the cap space to sign one and also an edge rusher. If they bring in Bryce Huff and they bring in Legereus Need, and then in the draft with the 29th pick, they draft someone like Jerzon Newton out of Illinois. Right. And you now have an elite defensive line. You have a secondary you trust, and you have young players on the defense as well that are improving, like um, Jack Campbell and Brian Branch. So I feel like this team is legitimately a defense away from being a legit Super Bowl caliber team. Right. The tough thing is they have $60 million in cap space, but they've got to extend not just Amon Ross St. Brown and Penny Sewell, but only McNeil. And that's going to take and golf. a huge— And Jared Goff, too. I don't know if he's going to make more than his current contract, but it's possible. He'll definitely make 40 to 45 mil. Okay. Daniel Jones got 40 mil. Yeah, but the only two years were uh, actually guaranteed. So it was really a two-year contract. So they're not really going to have enough to sign a luxurious need to me. They could sign one. They could sign one prime I can see them signing Bryce Huff. Yeah. For sure. Because that's an under-the-radar guy. So you think think Bryce Huff leaves New York? I think he does. I think so, too. I I think we got Jermaine. We got Will McDonald. They'll play. Bryce Huff to Detroit kind of sounds like a lock to me. Mm. You know, I think they're, they'd be willing to pay him. And he's another one of those guys that fits the Lions, Dan Campbell, identity, overlooked. I now produce and my team is not going to pay me or keep me. I'm going to walk in free agency, even though, you know, he's progressively gotten better each year. And he's an underrated guy that's he's an elite player, legitimately elite. Right. The NFC North is going to be tough, but if the Lions make the sound and smart free agent decisions and moves – then I think they can win the division again. It really comes down to preparing for next year is the way I should put it because you have to save for that next all season. Uh, you're going to give Penny his fifth-year option, but the other guys are not going to be able to. And if you're saying Goss gained a $50 million or a $40 million contract, that's $10 million more than what he's getting right now. So I don't know if they're really going to have that much flexibility, if any at all. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Pick Aside podcast episode Three hundred and forty-nine, nine fifty. McDonald's. <laughs> Jesus, <Not late. laughs> the, the XL hot chocolate with two extra sugars wasn't enough. It's just too late to cook. I'm tired. You go to McDonald's. <sighs> you guys can A follow us on Instagram and on TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast. On Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. Also, want to let you guys know about the merch drop. Click the link in the description. Go to PickAsidePodcast.com. Wait for the pop-up, enter your email, and sign up. The hoodie drop will be this Friday, February 3rd. I mean, this Saturday, February 3rd at 1 p.m. 
but you can get it at 12 p.m. If you join the Patreon, there will be an early link sent out to you guys. Only 60 hoodies. Yes. It might not be out to the public. I bought one. Oh, you did buy one? No. Oh. Okay, so 60 total hoodies, so make sure you guys are fast because we don't know if they're going to last that long. So thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.